Rolling. Rolling. I don't know how to fucking get the energy up because it's a fucking ad, man. No one wants to listen. No one fucking wants to listen to these goddamn things. But they got to because fucking we're trying to be semi-professional. Right? Nodding and approving. You're not exciting enough. Not exciting enough. <laughs> <laughs> now my eardrums are blown. <laughs> anyway, check out portcitybjj.com and come train some jujitsu. Uh, we're located at 8 Greenleaf Woods Drive. What are you snoring? Is that this boring, you? Is it, Scott? It's an excitement. Your headphones almost fell off. <laughs> you were so excited. <laughs> Portcitybjj.com. There it is. Fucking just email us. We'll answer all your questions. It's a good time. Listen to this podcast, and hopefully you'll fucking want to do some goddamn jujitsu. I do. <laughs> know what else I want to do? I'm fucking going to drag you there, kicking and screaming, to be honest with you. I'm, re- I'm game. I'm game. All right. I'm getting in there. When? Uh, Soon. When? Mm, sometime soon. If you we'll figure it out, either, we'll drive home. You'll find an excuse, or you'll find a way. I'm gonna find a way. All right. That's my answer. Okay. All right. Because when my buddy comes back from from the little school he's going to, that we'll talk about down the road, I want to kick his ass. All right. So it's also brought to you by Everproven CrossFit, um, 51 Washington Street, right in the heart of Dover and the downtown Mills. For now, uh, we're moving soon. Um, if you want to contact us, it's uh, 603-740-0822 or stone, 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 stone at everproven.com. That's E-V-R-P-R-V-N.com. Uh, don't spell out everproven fully. Keystone. Keystone. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> um... Yeah, we're uh, all in CrossFit gym, weightlifting community. Uh, we if if it's uh, something to do with the physical fitness realm, we've got it for you. We also have kids classes. Um, we also have boot camps that'll happen after the opens. <laughs> now I'm being the boring one. <laughs> I, I would I would like Ron to produce this podcast just from fucking somewhere remotely. To be honest with you. <laughs> He just doesn't let things happen. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, doing our ads, hey, if you want to advertise with us, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've like thoroughly killed this. We'll be better at it when you fucking pay us to do it, I promise. Yeah, promise. We will sell the crap out of whatever you want us to sell, honestly. So contact us on the web. Shut the fuck up and fucking get this party started. Boom! Action. <laughs> Action. Jim Miller on Fight Pass. New Jersey native. Are you serious? <laughs> I hate when you do this.
Well, it doesn't matter. We can edit the fucking first part of this out. Oh, okay. There is no editing. George, there is no editing. No, there's no editing till we say, welcome to Sharp Iron Society number nine on this lovely day. Ten. 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 Yes. Fucking ten of these goddamn things. We're past the single digits now. I can't believe I've been doing this for this long, to be honest with you. I only expected it to last a couple. Believe it, motherfucker. So our guest... I'm just happy to be on the anniversary <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the 10th anniversary. The, the, the uh, <coughs> I don't know if you even call him a guest. Our, our intruder. Our mental <laughs> intruder today. Why don't you just demoralize him right after that? Uh, it's true. <laughs> I need to be broken down before I'm built up. Is uh, DB Law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> George in the Law. House. In the house. George Law in the house. Uh, Jiu Jitsu Purple Belt. Soap aficionado. Yeah. Uh, what else do you do? Spiritual advising. <laughs> <laughs> what, you guys you don't believe that? <laughs> Spiritual advisor to Port City Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That's true. Accountant. Accountant. Father. Dude. Dude. Coffee roaster. Coffee. Uh, well, there's so many to talk about. Oh man, I mean, I'm I'm pl- planning on talking about me for two hours. Also, he is the uh, the spawn of the nickname, the darkness. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. All right, I yeah. want to hear this story because I, I I know the name, but so like, okay, George is going to tell a story. I'm going to tell you all the inaccuracies about it because <laughs> <laughs> that I'm, is exactly how it goes every I'm, time. I'm yeah. sure it's not going to be fucking right. Oh no, we'll tell. George will tell his version of the story, and then I'll tell you yeah. what I remember. Well, I never let truth get in the get in the way of a good story. You know what I mean? Um, I I mean there could be two. I mean there's two sides to the story. One is you have to train with the darkness to understand where the name the darkness really came from, and then you will you it will give you an understanding of. Um, Stop eyeballing what I'm, me. Yeah, you got to just do it, man. You <laughs> just gotta, gotta, he's just been trying to give me a Oh, yeah, you just, you just got to do it, man. Um, the other side of it is um, Jay and Derek, Jay, co-owner of Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, one of my favorite movies growing up, or maybe not even growing up, I don't know, five years ago. This movie is not that fucking old. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm like 100 years old. It's not that old. The Ghost in the Darkness. You ever seen this movie? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, man. With uh, Yeah. That, no, no, that's pretty old. It's older, right? It, it, it's yeah. like yeah. early 90s, right? right. Yeah. Right. I think that was pre-Catherine Zeta Jones for Michael Douglas. It may be. I mean, that that's possible. I, was, actually, uh, I actually saw them in Chicago. No the, way. The Lions. Oh, oh I, I, I thought you were talking about Catherine Zeta Jones and Michael Douglas. So <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, I've actually seen them too at the um, Museum of Natural History in New York. In New York, yeah, yeah I saw them. I saw them when they were in Chicago. That's where they are now, and I was like, "Those fucking lions don't look that goddamn <laughs> scary." The man-eating <laughs> lions no. of Savo. They're yeah. not that big. No, they're like large dogs. But it, but at the same time, I I think the <sighs> the person that I was with uh, out there said that um, the lions were like actually in in real life they were actually a little bit bigger. They just get a little. They get a lot smaller when they when it comes to like stuffing them. Well, and they're like fucking super old too. They're like you can tell like they didn't preserve the hides very well. They're like starting to deteriorate a little and shit. So I'm sure they're kind of falling apart at this point. 
Okay. Not to digress, but I'm going to digress anyway. Um, <laughs> I was in Moab, Utah. I used to go to Moab all the time. We used to go for whatever. And uh, there's this place called The Hole in the Rock. And it's this guy. His life, his life work was like to build a house in a large rock. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yes. That's, that's the kind of, that's what I'm talking about. Sharp iron. No problem. Bob. Bob's tearing it up. Intro number two. Yes. Coming at you. It's an awesome intro. I mean, it's good to play it at different times throughout the. Uh, clearly, Prince Paul has left the. In case we didn't get your attention, <laughs> we now have it. <laughs> right. Back to you, George. Yeah. Who? Anyway, Moab, Utah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The fucked up thing is that that happens more than once in this podcast. <laughs> We're going to be real upset. Ah, oh, boy. Should we even tell him about that? Probably not. I don't know. It's kind of funny. Well, his, it, no, well, the funny thing is, so we got to say this before he walks back oh in here, boy. but the Riddler is an amazing fucking audio engineer. Quite possibly lost the best bit of podcasting we've ever oh. done. Yeah. No way. Yeah. With fucking Pete. Like we had like 15 minutes where we talked about Pete and Jared's relationship yeah. and like Pete dealing with fucking, I mean, uh, Jared dealing with post-concussion syndrome. Like yeah. 20 minutes of this shit, like in-depth conversation. He was like, oh yeah, I lost all that. Oh, that must break Pete, uh, the Riddler's heart though, man, because you know he wants to listen to that over again. Well, it, uh, in, in his defense, it was it was a podcast that was going longer than we planned on going. Right. So it was, It's good that you guys have a plan. That's impressive. <laughs> Saying. So back. To oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. So this guy. I mean, it's an interesting place. And if you go, we used to rock climb all the time. We'd go. You go to Moab to rock climb or do you know four wheeling or mountain biking or whatever it is. Um, so this place, like the hole in the rock. This guy like carved out this his house in a very large piece of cliff. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's multi multi rooms. I think he died and his wife might have finished it. But anyway, one of his things was like he was amateur taxidermist and uh, he had like a pet donkey. And so the guy, I swear to God, man, it's horrifying. So he, he his pet donkey died and he, you know, stuffed the donkey or whatever the term is. And it was the creepiest thing I think I've ever seen. It's like the donkey had lipstick, you know, and it was just like if you've ever seen amateur taxidermy, it was just. So, you know, I mean, who knows what happened to the the, the lions of Savo, man? Did they have lipstick on them? I, first of all, like, if my dog died, oh, the last man. thing I'd want to yeah. do is cutting into that dog, right? fucking trying to fucking taxidermy it. Like, I'm like I, I mean, couldn't do it. Yeah, no. My no. cat died, man, like a year ago, and I was out in the backyard digging a hole, crying. <laughs> I wasn't gonna be cutting into that thing. Right? Know? Holy crap! That's fucked up. Yeah, it's, it was. It's hilarious. It stuck with me for whatever reason. <laughs> now you guys so, know. Now you guys should go visit. Let's take a couple steps back and get back to. The oh yeah, in the yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. We, um, man, I don't. So the ghost in the dark. So you know, Jay and Derek are two, two very different dudes, but both scary individuals you know and able to uh able to tear you apart you know in different ways and um man i don't know exactly how it came into my mind but i was like jay is the ghost and derek is the darkness you know 
So. And it, and it's very fitting, you know what I mean? Like you got to come and train and experience, you know. In a, I would also suggest coming and training in a in a regular class setting, you know, so you can get the true the true experience. Um, now I'm gonna have to watch that movie again. That's oh, great. It's that that's a movie that stands up, I believe, to the, to the day to this day. You yeah. know? Some movies. So you, I'll tell you how the fucking nickname really fucking right. came, right. came to be. Right. I mean, it did was the fucking the ghost in the darkness, right. and it is fitting because Jay's a little more like fucking cerebral, like uh, plays his like mind tricks on you and will make you pretty much beat yourself. You know, he'll he'll give you an avenue and which I kinda do too, but it's a little more punishing along the punishing. way. Punishing. Punishing. I get a little more pain response. It's just different. It's just a different you know so but I'll, it's two like man eating lions. I will put pressure on you to make you make a mistake and Jay will show you something to get you to move in a different direction to make you make a mistake. Like he's like so Jay plays with you a little bit, and you just kind of go right for the. Well, not. Right. I mean, maybe not right for the kill, but you're. It's it's just it's a different it's kind. Just, it's just directing you down and path in different ways. Gotcha. Um. So one day, it was like I think I was still a brown belt at the time, and George was a white belt. And it, was, <laughs> it was a. Yeah. This is, this is how All right, this I happened. I do remember this. I, I, I remember this. <laughs> it was a Saturday morning, and we used to have really early Saturday morning class at the academy. It's at ten thirty now, and it used to be like oh, at yeah. nine or something yeah. like that, like real fucking early. And uh, of course, I used to live like within walking distance of the academy when I had an apartment downtown Portsmouth, and uh, I got fucking trashed the night before Friday night. <laughs> And decided I was going to train on fucking Sunday on Saturday morning, which probably wasn't the best idea at the time. And uh, so I came in all hungover, and I'm like drilling, and Jay's teaching the class, and I forget who I was drilling with. It wasn't with George. And I don't know how we got. I don't know. George just had a hair across his ass. Oh, I know exactly what happened. You were with the cockroach. You were with the cockroach, dude. And the cockroach is whatever. He was instigating. He was instigating something. Instigating something. And he's like, and so I wasn't, it wasn't even that you were, it was this kid, the cockroach, who's been my best friend since we were six years old. You know what I mean? I'm 41. So it's been a long time, man. The cockroach is an instigator. He was saying something and he was getting under my skin and he was freaking. And then you were starting in on me, and I, I got pissed. So he starts saying stuff like about me being hungover and about how, like, if I was drunk and he was sober and he met me in a dark alley, <laughs> that he would beat me up and all this stuff. And I was all like, fired up. He was man. all fired up. So oh, man. class it's gets true. over. We do our roles or whatever. I'm fucking still hungover and fucking... I don't know who called out who. I think I came up. So I believe I was like, all right, let's do it. I need to get my, I mean, I knew what the outcome was going to be. You know what I mean? I was like, I got to take my beating now, you know? So, so, so George and I rolled. And, uh, I believe that was the last stripe on my white belt. Well, this is where the story comes from was I beat the shit out of George. Beat the shit. I didn't, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't tap him. I I just beat the shit out of him. So the point, like, like, I'm not kidding. Like, George was bloody afterwards. <laughs> I, I, George was bleeding. There was blood. There will be blood. And so after that, he took his beating like a man. I did. Like, I, did. And, I knew I had to. You know? Like like all men should. Yeah. And yeah. we gave him his fucking last stripe on his white belt. And I remember he said, he was like, 
I felt like a zebra getting chased <laughs> by a lion. And then it was like, that's, the whole, that's when the whole ghost yeah, in the darkness man, that, thing that came sense. into play. Every, I forgot, yeah. So That makes sense. Nice. See, that's true, though, man. Yeah, I, I mean, but that was the instigator. So, Instigating. So George talked some shit, and I beat him up and fucking yeah. got a nickname. That's true. That is true. That's, that's a true story. <laughs> Definitely. The other thing that's actually know, a really good story. <laughs> the, oh, man. Well, the other thing you got to realize that people, unless you know George and I, and if you don't, here's a little insight on that, that fucking George practically needs a high chair to sit at this <laughs> table. <laughs> And I'm, phone books, right? Anything, and, I, and uh, I'm and I'm six feet tall, two hundred and twenty pounds. You weren't big. You weren't as big then, I don't think. No, were you? I was a probably two hundred pounds, maybe, maybe a little even lighter. Yeah, it was my that was my get as light as I could face, even though I was drinking profusely. Obviously, was it was this uh, circa the hammock picture you put up the other day? Because you look like like I looked at it, I was just like, dude, look at your legs. Like you're tiny. But skinny. You yeah. can squat, bro. No. <laughs> oh, he wasn't squat. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. I was. Tr- I was literally. I mean, we can talk. Like that's a. This is a kind of a good topic, leading into fucking last night's shenanigans. Was uh. I uh for a long time and I did it not correctly. I mean that's kind of hold the whole jujitsu fight thing here, and I definitely didn't know what I was doing. Was trying to just get as light as possible any way I could because that means you can compete a lower weight class in jiu-jitsu. So <coughs> in retrospect, like I do much better now and I'm in the heaviest weight class you could possibly be in. But I was always trying to get there. Like, so the weight classes in jiu-jitsu typically are like every like 15 pounds. So it's um, I, only, I can do them backwards, I think. It's um, 222 and a half and over. So it's 200 kilos. And then... Uh, 194 and a half to 222 no 215 to 222 and then 194 and a half to 215 uh i can't help you with any of these one one eighty you get to 154 and a half right 181 to 194 and a half i think and so on so it gets lighter so i was always trying to be in either the 194 and a half to 215 or 181 to 194 and a half yeah and it was just like i can remember being like 183 pounds like and it just was, and I thought I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try to get under 181. Which, if you look at me, you got 181 pounds of beard, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was. That I I haven't seen below 90 since God, I was like 21. I can remember I skinny little. So I went through like before my jujitsu phase, like I was, I weighed as much as I did now, probably 230 pounds, but I was a fucking slob, you know. And then I can remember getting into jiu-jitsu and like happens kind of, seems like it kind of happens to everybody is if you're overweight and kind of out of shape doing jiu-jitsu you start to get into really good shape and then you try to get as low as you possibly can and then you realize all right i've gone too far and then you kind of go back up and wait and try to get healthy and i can remember being under 200 pounds and being like oh i'm never going to be over 200 pounds ever again and now i'm 230 <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good. I feel fucking yeah, great. But you're a beast at 230. Yeah. Beast. Beast. But uh, I'm, I'm 150. I'm 150 <laughs> pounds soaking wet. Featherweight, Masters 3. That's a yeah, but you could probably kick my ass. Well, you know, I give you a hug anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards. A jiu-jitsu hug. But here's the thing, right? The whole darkness story, I, would, I will say this just to go back for a second because I'm now pondering 
because this was like five years ago at least, right, or something. Five five or so years ago. Ah, uh, so the how long the academy has been open? About uh, this is six year coming up, year six maybe. If it, I don't know if we're in the sixth year or the sixth right. year has passed. Right. But yeah, it was the first location, so it had to have been the first year. I mean, jujitsu do a lot of things for you and probably does different things for everybody. But definitely one thing that is done for me is I used to be like, um, I used to be like um, ready to, you know, like a time bomb, man. Like it was like, just touch George and he'll, you know, set. I would just freak out, you know, it's just like ready to snap at all times. Like, and now I, you know. Too tired to snap. <laughs> I'm too tired. To, man, you're too tired. People, people come up. You know, like all these things that used to bother you. You are so tired and so beat up most of the time that you're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever, dude. Yeah. Ron making fun of me, po- poking, poking the bear. All Poke these guys. The and I just, I just doesn't bother me anymore. Doesn't yeah. bother me. Late music comes on while I'm talking, interrupts me. I don't let it bother me, dude. Yeah. I don't let it bother we'll me. Talk about that afterwards. It didn't. Oh, it's all in my head. It goes to your uh, headphones only. Ah, oh, because it was cool. So now when you Skype, when you do a Skype, that's how the stuff is going to be. That was just the intro of the thing that just happened there. It didn't go on. It's not on the recording. Well, then people are going to know. I have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> when, we were, when we were freaking <laughs> the was, fuck out. It was all in my head. <laughs> I, I can put it back in if you want. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just for, but no one freaked out. But no, yeah, it was really loud. <laughs> it was, it was, it was rocking. We were rocking out. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the people could hear it because it was so loud in the goddamn headphones. <laughs> yeah, it kind of has to be put put in now. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are these guys talking about? They're freaking out about something. Uh, so you, uh, you talk about like uh, just dealing with stuff. Um, and like you used to be, I mean, people it's ready to snap, like, man, all the time snap, for whatever like, reason. Is, is that what? So uh, this is, I, I assume, this is before jujitsu, and some of, you know, and it takes a while of. to get out of it. Like if if you're if you're tuning into this podcast today to hear a well-adjusted guy who was who who was born and did everything right and you know <laughs> showed up at school when he was supposed to and uh, <laughs> and and you know. You might want to listen to next week's episode. <laughs> this is a story of a guy who is is is, is you know struggled put it, put with decisions. George, George is the only person I know to fall asleep in New Hampshire and wake up in Florida. <laughs> I know a lot of people like that, but you know, I mean, oh, well, he's the only person I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, man. I don't know. I came into. I mean, I also started judo when I was a kid, and. Uh, which is a similar, you know, it's on the same family tree as jujitsu, obviously, um, or obviously to me, probably not obviously to everybody. But uh, so, man, I got, you know, I came into jujitsu with some, probably some baggage, you know, of some emotional and. <laughs> what brought you to jujitsu? Uh, um, man, I love it's in it's in like I don't know my whole life I I liked wrestling, you know, and fighting and uh, stuff. You know what? My great grandmother was a uh, Irish gypsy. I blame her. <laughs> um, she was crazy, man. There's stories of her, like when they moved to Dover from Ireland, you know. And my dad was like, "Yeah, she used to be chasing the rats around the house with a broom and stuff." But I don't know. It's ingrained, man, in my DNA. You know what I mean? Like I have to do it. I have to do it. Either that, or I'd be on Prozac or something. You know what I mean? Banging my head on a wall somewhere. And I, I just I need to do it. It's my therapy. 
it's it's uh it's what I gotta do, you know. Since like how'd, I, you, how'd you find Derek? So I was I moved back. Or I, I was still living in Colorado at the time, and uh, the cockroach. I came back, and the cockroach. So I had been out of I had been out of you know like grappling since whatever age. Like I stopped doing judo, and uh, I was living in Colorado, and the the cockroach was all fired up about he's back doing jujitsu again. And uh, I came back on a vac- like for you know to visit for three or four days or something, and uh, he brought me to Seacoast MMA in Portsmouth. That's, and that's uh, so a little background of Seacoast MMA. That's where um where I started doing jujitsu. Um, and uh, the guy who runs well, two guys that kind of ran it. Um, one is uh, Jim DeLuca, who um, coach. Yeah, everyone calls him Coach. Great guy. He's uh, the fittest. Got to have him on this thing. Yeah, he's gonna come on it once we yeah. like. He's he's the fittest fifty eight year old I've ever seen. Yeah. Like the best genes of any human being ever. He's just athletically gifted. Uh, you know, played football and baseball in college. Um, he was a lifeguard, head lifeguard at Hampton Beach for like thirty years. Uh, chemistry teacher. Chemistry teacher. Retired from chemistry. Now he's a cop in Hampton. Like fucking solid like, dude, man. Solid dude. Like yeah. Uh, so he and then our actually the guest we're gonna have next week, Troy Pickering, uh, oh, man. started Seacoast. Well, I think they kind of joined forces. I mean, I'll have Troy kind of tell the story about Seacoast MMA. But Seacoast MMA was one of those places where it was. I think honestly, looking back on it now, was probably one of MMA that the martial arts culture's best kept secrets. Um, yeah. There was so much talent in there that no one really even knew about, and it was kind of on the breakout, and, and it was about to break out, and they just weren't invested in the business side of it. I mean, we can get into that next week or whatever, but... um, Which is the thing everybody in martial arts schools, yeah. I think, struggles with is like, you know, or whatever you're passion following your passion you want to do your passion but you know what there's all this other stuff that goes along with having a business that right you know you got to do that yeah. isn't as much fun as teaching jujitsu. so it was kind of a like a, a real hardcore place um i mean that's where i started learning jiu-jitsu it's where i learned to box that's where i learned to do muay thai i learned to wrestle there and uh it just was you know you went in and went hard i, I mean i think i've gotten the majority of my brain damage Jesus. in that place. I mean, <laughs> we would just we would spar hard and hard. throw down, and you know, that, and this was pre like concussion right. syndrome, like came to the forefront of culture and all that stuff, and we would just, you know, go fucking hard. I mean, we got, there's plenty of stories that place. So George came back in the middle of fucking. Going hard. I mean, right I, in that, I, right in. I look back on it now and like, so our academy is pretty good size. You know, we have like, you know, what, 40, 50 people, like, right. which is pretty good size for a jiu jitsu academy. Yeah. And like on a heavy night there, there's like 20 people on the mat. I can remember at Seacoast, like, there being 30 people on the mat, yeah. 35 people on the mat. And it was like, but I was like, it's a huge place. It was man. huge. And it was huge. like random people, like, yeah. like, would just show up and would be like, all right, let's fucking go, and you would get fucking thrown to the fucking wolves. Part of that is Troy, man. For whatever reason, he is like the Pied Piper of, uh, of, of, of. I mean, he he's just like leads this thing, and people follow him, man. Right. And he drums the, he ba- beats the drum, man, and he gets all these people, and they they show up. It's like, right. 
I'm always like, how do you get these people to show up to these? Like, it's amazing. Right. He's amazing at that. That's a, a you know one of his strong right. suits. But yeah, so I ended up there. I, I ended up like I came back here. Like at the time, I think you know I was rock climbing all the time, and that's kind of what I was doing. Um, and skiing and, you know, mountain biking and living in the mountains. And um, I hadn't been grappling at all. And my buddy Scotty was back here, too. And he was like, he's a whole nother, you know, you could talk for hours about Scotty G stories and me and whatever. But um, and he's talking to me like I'm dri- I remember driving around back here with him and he's talking about grappling. I was like, I don't know, dude, I'm just kind of over it, man. I do. Uh, I was like rock climbing and I'm talking about rock climbing and. He's talking about grappling, and uh, so the cockroach brought me to brought me to some class at, at you know a jujitsu class at Seacoast, and I was like, dude, I don't remember how to do anything, you know. Like he's like showed me the baseball choke from inside the guard, uh, you know, from from when somebody's in my guard, <laughs> which, is, which and, is not a choke you show to begin with, right? Right. So I mean, but I had grappled for a long time, so you know. But that's what he showed me right before we went in, and so. I went in and I hit it like three times, and because I don't think anybody was ready, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a new guy, and they're probably like, "Oh, the new guy," and I'm, I'm freaking, I'm a judo guy, and judo guys notoriously are aggressive, and uh, you know, I was that guy, came in aggressive, and but, and then I was back, you know, it's like boom, the, the the I had got the fix, man, and then I was a jujitsu junkie again. So then I like, there's no grappling in Breckenridge, Colorado. I can tell you that, and. Uh, so then I ended up in Boulder, though, and I started going to um, Boulder Judo, which is like the Jimmy Pedro's sister school um, in Colorado, and it was awesome. Like, um, so Jimmy Pedro's, you know, huge Judo. <laughs> Jimmy Pedro is uh, do you know Jimmy Pedro? No. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Pedro is the coach of the U.S. Olympic Judo team, but he's a Massachusetts native. Um, he was like, I think one of the first. Americans to get a medal in judo. I think, got a, got a I think he was medal. the first, uh, maybe, but oh, well, maybe not. <coughs> no, a couple people have done it f- since then. I know, right? That. But I think he was the first. But like, I think he was the first. But he's a he's a Massachusetts native, like through and through. You hear him t- like got the mass accent, whatever. But he is like in American judo, he's like the legend. But he's from Wakefield, Mass, and that's where his school is. And he just like. He has the uh, grip I mean, fighting. Uh, <laughs> right, like he's got like this whole grip fighting. Like he's, if you want to look into some legendary American judo, look at Jimmy Pedro. Um, but yeah, like he's he's huge in this in the ju- judo, huge culture, huge. But he's from Massachusetts. And a rival, kind of, and his school at the time when I was a kid was like our rival at Portsmouth Judo Club. So I went, I I grew up at Portsmouth Judo Club under Sensei Potter, who was like my you know second father to me or whatever um so i ended up at like his place basically out in you know boulder colorado where all these like savages judo savages are training well, and not, coming through that's not far from the olympic training center though is it not far like an hour and maybe an hour and a half if you know right up through the front range so close and all like i mean i trained with like some iranian savage guy you know one time an older dude too and like all these just savage guys would come through, like, and it was awesome. But everybody was like, "Man, you're really good at like, you know, I'd like I could hold everybody down." Like that was always the Portsmouth Judo Club thing was like, get on top and hold you down, and if you would win a judo match if you held somebody down for twenty seconds, I think was the time. And so, 
Then they had this guy come in, Van somebody, who was a a black belt under a mile Easton. And, Legend. Uh, right. And so he came in and started doing a jujitsu class. And, you know, the other side of it is when you're a judo kid at Portsmouth Judo Club, it's like 80 bucks a year. You know, that's all I knew. It was like, oh, you pay 80 bucks a year. You know what I mean? You're done. There was not a for-profit thing going on at Portsmouth Judo Club. So whatever. I, I was awoken to, you know, I was like, damn, this is a lot of money. I'm paying a lot for these things, you know? And because uh, it was different. Because it's like, it was like 150 bucks, I think, to train at U.S. Boulder, you know, Boulder Judo Academy. But so this grappling guy comes in, Van somebody, and... uh Man, I loved it. It was awesome. So it was like the first class was like grappling, you know, and then we'd do judo after. I was talking to the guy, telling him where I'm from, and he's like, oh, man, I trained with this guy, Jay Jack. And I knew who Jay Jack was through Scotty G, and it's like the three degrees of, you know, Kevin Bacon or whatever, right? But everybody tied together. I was like, this is crazy, man. So then I went to Amal Easton's place in Boulder and trained there. Um, and then I came back here and went back to Seacoast. I mean, that's the, you know, and then Seacoast. And then I was got into Muay Thai, man. I was like, man, Muay Thai is great. Like, this is so much fun, like, kicking things and punching people. And, you know, luckily, I'm glad, you know, I mean, but like Derek said, it was before people, you know, you really thought about brain damage. Like, I was thinking about brain damage from other things, you know. Right. Now I'm like, shit. I got fucking... Yeah, I, my I got, tongue is swollen, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, I got, my, I got my fucking bell rung fucking so many times in that Big place. Time. Like, yeah. like, real bad. Like... See just, people get dropped all the time right. and get back up and they're right back in. And it's the same people every week. Like I remember this one particular person just getting you just see him get dropped all the time. Yeah. Right back in though. Right back in. And I was too dumb to like or just so unaware that like I would like fucking take a shot and my bell would get rung. And I'm like, Man, <laughs> I'm I'm too dumb to sit out and go like yeah. you know what I mean? Or like, too much e ego it plays into it too in some ways, maybe. Right. So I would get my bell rung and not even like take one second no. off and just be like, All right, right I gotta in. just fucking collect myself and go back at it. And, like you're fighting for money. Right. And, but there was no money. In retrospect, I'm in this fucking <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, I did the same thing, man. My brain's beating. Uh, like that you remember that kid Aaron? Yes. Um uh, I had to do this square square drill with him so you have this mat and it's like a well it's like a rectangle really not a square but um and you got to stay in the rectangle and like where you're practicing you know like pocket fighting in yeah, the pocket yeah fighting stay, in the pocket stay in, right stay in the pocket i'm i'm no fucking boxer here anyway my boxing skills were not that good at all right. and this kid was pretty good and he hits hard and so and you did not want to be in he, the pocket and, with him and this kid was one of those kids where he didn't have a different speed. No. It was one speed, oh, and yeah. it was fucking oh. hard. Like, you're going hard. Yeah. No matter what. He was all yeah. in. We used to call him, like, I don't know if I called it to his face, but he was the hyena, man, because he had the craziest laugh you've ever yeah. heard. It, it, it fit perfectly. Oh, man. Crazy so, dude. So explain explain this uh, stay in the square. So, so yeah. So in, yeah. in boxing, <laughs> you have, like, different styles of fighting. You know, you have the counter puncher who kind of stays on the outside and, like, Guy wades in like what Holly Holm is known for, what right. she was trying to do last night. Anderson and then, Silva, right? Anderson Silva was a, a counter puncher. Work. It didn't work last night, that's for sure. Uh, um, I mean, for the most part, it sort of did. Oh, it, it did too. Yeah. I mean, she's got no fucking ground game apparently. Right. Um, right. But uh, and then you have like the guys that dart in and out or whatever, and you know try to like get in and get out, and you know 
move into range and stay out of range, whatever. And then you have guys that fight in the pocket where you're literally standing nose to nose. And the whole idea behind that is, like, especially if you're the smaller fighter who doesn't have the reach advantage, you're inside that guy's reach. So he can't generate as much power because he's kind of handcuffing himself by not being able to extend his punches. And you're inside, you know, battering the body and throwing short, tight punches to either the body or the, or the head. You know what I mean? So even if you're not one of a uh, uh, pocket fighter doing some pocket drills is good just to learn to kind of how to deal with it, to deal with someone who is a, a pocket fights in the pocket all the time. And, uh, yeah. So they were like, literally there's a square on the floor and you'd be like, <coughs> you how got big's a square <sighs> like three by three by three, maybe, oh, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe a little bigger three by four. I think, three by I don't four. think it's an exact, I think it's more rectangular, but, right. Um, yeah, they're not big. It's so not it's you're not moving. You're small. basically no. You're standing toe to toe, toe to toe, toe, nose to nose. You try to move your head a little bit, cover up, and deliver some shots. And like I said, it wasn't. It, oh. it, 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 I have a term at the academy when I'm doing like half speed drills. I call it controlled chaos. Like things are gonna get a little out of hand, but you need to as soon as they start to get out of control, kind of corral them back. You know what I mean? And and reevaluate what you're doing and stop all right we're gonna reset and go whatever so that's controlled chaos this drill was fucking chaos like it was there was no control savagery about it you know and uh so you just stand totally like and it was like a fucking boxing match i mean i can remember who he who were named nameless (laughs) (laughs) fucking uh voldemort god i hate him oh oh, almost just as bad uh fucking like me i almost knocked a fucking kid out one time like bad like fucking put him on his ass fucking eyes roll back in his head and it was like no fucking big deal oh. that's probably why he doesn't like me now <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, no. but yeah that's uh, what we would do and fucking this kid aaron oh, who, who hey, i swear to god you'd have to fucking a, a lead pipe and a shotgun wouldn't put him away there are some guys like that you know what i mean that that just can walk through the wall. Right. He was that guy for yeah. sure. So anyway, I had to do it with him and I got, you know, this is not really the guy I want to be doing that particular drill with. Um, and uh, I can remember just one time, like, and he hit me with an uppercut right underneath, you know, the nose. And, and my nose is crooked underneath from that, you know, thing. But I was I was on Queer Street for sure. But, you know, you're not sitting out. Like Derek said, there's no... You know, you're right. I'm staying in. I'm in the thing. I'm not like, you know, I'm going, uh, what is, I forget what they call this thing when I don't Mike know. Tyson, uh, two hands in front of your face thing, putting my gloves back in there and you're sucking it up. I probably, you know, I got some brain damage from that one. Right. Bite down your mouthpiece. Right. <laughs> get, get, get her fucking exactly. down. Exactly. Get through the round. Right. So, yeah. So I came back to that and then we, you know, then. I don't know, like whatever, what happened? Like I was doing, I was sort of doing both, man. We had like this Irish Muay Thai guy over there, and I was doing his class, and I was doing jujitsu, um, and then we, I don't know if it was before we broke off or like you know they had they were the, like the thing went in kind of two separate ways, and I went with the jujitsu way, you know, which thank God, thank God, man. I mean, I don't regret that decision no. a bit. I don't either. I mean, I try to like people ask me all the time, like. You know what? Have, what have you done? Like, because I talk about jujitsu so much, I've fucking done it all. It's just jujitsu is the most. It's it's the best thing as far as being in it for the long haul. I feel. 
No, you can do jujitsu till the fucking day you die, but you're not fucking boxing till the day you die. That's for fucking sure. You're not coming out unscathed. No. You know? It's like I, one of the best quotes I ever heard was, you know, a bad day at jujitsu, you're survive uh you're surviving. Bad day at boxing, you're getting the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> Dude, seriously. <laughs> Honestly. It's true. Well, I mean, even if even if you're not sparring with somebody else and you're and you're not taking those hits to the head, like the amount of the amount of like damage that's probably doing to your joints, right? Like that that constant like impact of of your hands, your your elbows, all that stuff is is like for the long t- long haul, probably not that good on your joints. I mean, neither is jujitsu probably either, but whatever. Right. Ah, uh, <coughs> I think. I mean, it's a. D- I See, that's the thing like about a totally different beast. Well, yeah. the thing uh, we talked about this before a little bit about like the the common injuries with. Fu- I mean, I can remember like leaving boxing like or a Muay Thai class like on a Tuesday because there was no jujitsu afterwards, and so it was just you would just go to advance Muay Thai on Tuesday yeah. night, and that was it. And that was a good thing because that's probably all I could take because my fucking hands would hurt, oh, yeah. my shins would hurt, I my fucking head would hurt. You know what I mean? So you're just getting like. You know, and then you, you might get a freak accident at fucking jujitsu, or you fucking your ego takes over and you don't tap or something like that. But you know, you can leave. You if you could design your game in jujitsu around not getting hurt. You know what I mean? And, and kind of play it conservative. Uh, there's none of that in boxing because you don't really get to decide. You know what I mean? Unless like, you unless you dance around. You know what I mean? Or whatever you want to Floyd Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, but I would say jujitsu. If you get really into it, which I, you know, it is, it is, it is taken over. And I don't understand, you know, maybe you can tell me how to get it out of this thing. But like, if, you know, you develop this crazy, like, imbalance of your body. And like, it's like, I am so, like, you know, you're like, oh, you know, go to jujitsu, you get in, you get flexible, you get, you know, I have like this crazy imbalance because I do nothing else other than jujitsu. And, uh, you know, my lower back, my SI joint or whatever, my ass is messed up. Like, my just things, you just develop this weird, you know, like I was looking at myself in the mirror one day, like with no shirt on. And uh, one side of my body is like way bigger than the other. Like, it's ridiculous, man. George clearly doesn't listen to this goddamn podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We've we've gone over this a bunch. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean. That's the truth fucking thing. talk about this all the fucking time about how same thing and i'm doing all sorts of things to correct it and so a couple things one is you know do some preventative maintenance i mean i think this goes for anybody who's going to do any kind of athletic endeavor throughout their life is you know and be kind of serious about it is you need to do some preventative maintenance you need to go to a chiropractor on a regular mm-hmm. basis and don't just go when you're hurt go because we've talked about this too is that the jujitsu injury scenario isn't one where you're like oh i was doing this and then this happened it's a long slow over and over for years oh i've done this for so long and now my back's starting to hurt no like you need to go to the chiropractor like twice a month whether you're hurt or not go to fucking chiropractor get adjusted get a fucking deep tissue massage i go twice a week right yeah i would if i could man i'll tell you that go uh you should go see my chiropractor who's this guy uh, Can we talk about? Oh yeah, I yeah. went to high school with him. Forcey. Yeah. 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 He's, he's a hockey got, player. He's got a great deal. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that. It's yeah. it's unbelievably cheap. Right. Most, most it's like eighty nine bucks a month, right. unlimited. Right. So I've heard that. There. I've heard that. That's good. Um, um. But so do that. Get a fucking 
deep tissue fucking sports massage once in a while. Right. Because you're so tense in so in, tense. Are, in areas for so long. And then the other thing is, I mean, whether you're going to do it hardcore or once in a while, is you need to fucking lift some weights. Like, for a long time, I was like, like I was under the Marcelo Garcia right. fucking train of thought where I'm going to get good at jiu-jitsu by only training jiu-jitsu. Like, why would I waste time lifting weights? It's not going to, where I could be doing jiu-jitsu to get better at jiu-jitsu. But I, I mean, my I feel so much better lifting weights, you know, just kind of supporting, adding some support to my body, you know, putting on some muscle. And then I think that, like, if you're a young jiu-jitsu practitioner out there and you're listening to this podcast, find a weight that you feel good at mm. and compete at that. Right. You know, you're not getting paid right. an, astronom- an, you know, an astronomical amount of money to compete in jiu-jitsu. It's not worth cutting weight and doing all these things and trying to get as light and, and always being at a deficit nutritionally to do jujitsu you're going to compete better you're going to feel better and and you're going <coughs> to be able to do jujitsu for a long time um if you kind of get that right out of your head i can tell you i started to feel a hundred times better as soon as i stopped looking at the number on the scale as soon as i threw that notion right out of my mind and was like i'm just gonna compete at the weight that i'm and it I sucks, feel good man. at just you keep see, doing that you said something that like struck a nerve with me there's like a lot of people have a tendency to like Jay, they just look at a scale and it's just like they're so hyper focused on that number on the scale like going up and down and and honestly like like you're gonna feel better just it's exactly what you said how you feel yeah like i mean stay stay like try to try to like like just work out and 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 range your whatever you're doing like around like how you actually how your body feels not necessarily like what the number on the scale dictates because if you are going solely on the number on the scale, like you're gonna be always unhappy. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think like along that lines, I remember when Coach, who is, you know, the fittest. When I think of dudes that are fit, I'm like, Coach is a fit dude, man. Right. And he came in one day and told us like, they did. I don't know if it was at his doctor or something. And they were like, according to this chart, you're obese or whatever. Right. And it was like, it was just the most absurd thing you've ever, you know, is you just look at the dude and you know, right. you know, you're like, this is not an obese man, you know. Right. Uh, I hate, I hate those tests. Right, tests and charts. We we, and we actually like <coughs> our our company just uh, went through. Um, a, a, I think they did. We did it for uh, insurance purposes or, or, or benefit purposes. But uh, they like, I mean, we were shuffled through this whole process like fucking cattle. Yeah. I mean, we literally were cattle. It was like, call us up, get in there, like name, age, blah, 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 height, weight, finger prick test for cholesterol. And, and, and they just did a, a series of tests. And like within, within probably three minutes, they sat down and determined whether we were obese or uh, like our, determined our entire health based on three minutes of, <laughs> of, of <laughs> testing, which is complete bullshit. Not, not to mention they determined our, uh, our health based off of one tape measurement around our waist, right. from belly button to belly button. Right. You want to talk about uh, the biggest load of shit I've ever been through? Sorry, I'm a little bit heated up. Yeah, t- tell us how you really feel, man. <laughs> it's it's stupid. The, the health industry is is stupid yeah. when it comes down to the, this kind of stuff. It, it's like, yeah, you're gonna. I mean, like somebody very close and personal to me, like they told her she was overweight. 
off of one right. measurement. One single measurement. Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think, I mean, uh, I mean, you can look at a lot of things like that where people kind of just take, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. I mean, for example, being in ketosis, like, is the new thing. Like, where you just get your body, you... you is that tons of protein? No, it's tons right. of fat. Tons of fat, right, so right, right. You're the opposite. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. a massive yeah. amount of fats and right. no carbohydrates right. or whatever, yeah. or limiting your carbohydrates. And they're saying it's like, I, I mean, there's so many mixed, uh, you know, opinions about it and whatever, and it's kind of becoming, but I've heard from really smart people, like, if you're going through chemotherapy, like, ketosis could be the difference between it being successful or not, and putting your body in, keto- in ketosis and all that. But if you would have told me five years ago that the best diet out there right now is based on eating as much fat as human possible. Right, you're right, on your fucking right, mind. You know what crazy, I mean? dude. And I think it's one of those things where we talk about this kind of owning, you know, your life and what's going on and whatever. You need to find out what works for yeah, you. You know, I mean? you can't always just take someone's word for it and be like, all right, this is the diet I'm going to do. You know, go out there and try some things. You know, give it 60 days and see how you feel. And if you don't feel, you know, it might not be for you, you know, whatever. But if you find something that works, stick with it. I think that that's, I mean, I, we do need to get coach on this podcast because he'd be someone to talk to about kind of longevity of staying healthy. Yeah. <coughs> Seriously. But I think that he's just figured out what's work, what for works him. for him and he sticks with it, you know? It's like, I mean, that's one of those things, right, where that's something else that I've taken from jujitsu. you know, it all come, always comes back to me for that. But is that, you know, what what in jujitsu? you know, it's not, what, it, what works for me is not what's going to work for you when you come in and do it because you're coming. Um, <laughs> whether you like it or not, because <laughs> you're coming now, dude. Uh, but if you're gonna, you know, you're a different body type. You're a different person. It's like different things are gonna become you. You and I could start on the same day with the same teacher, go to the same classes, and we'll still have different styles. And it's, I feel like that's like that for everything in life. You right. know what I mean? Is that you're always gonna, you know, be you. You be you. Right. I'll be me. Do right. you, boo boo. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I think that's the beauty of kind of the again one of those microcosms of jujitsu related to life. You know, it's just one of those other side effects. You kind of get confident in the fact that you know you're not really looking for someone to to justify what you're doing anymore. You just you don't need it. Yeah, you're like oh this you know you can't it boils over. You're like oh this you know my my instincts and my inclination was right, and I'm gonna just go with it. You know. You kind of get rid of that outside influence. You know, your whole life kind of fucking changes. And it becomes, I, I mean, I try to tell people, like, because I get, I'm in contact with new people coming in to Fundamentals, and, you know, they're coming in for an hour, and I'm giving them some whatever I'm giving them. But I, you got to, you know, for me, I think that it's like, you know, I'm giving you this stuff here, but you are also responsible for going out and finding more. You know, you got it like, this is not just like you come to the class for one hour and and that's it, you know. Like you have to take responsibility for your own, or at least for part of it, you know. Like you can't just rely on the teacher to give you the whole thing. Like, oh, here's jujitsu, man. Like here it is. You got to like go out and scramble around and find it too. <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> again stuff that like we talk about is like what one thing that I always talk about is with CrossFit is like owning your own like owning your own fitness. 
Yeah. And like, and not not just. I mean, not just like going just. Same, saying like, okay, coach, I will do this, and just being like this little droid that like just picks up and does the workout that they're told to. But like, like, why are we doing this? Okay, like, I, that's why we're doing this. Well, it's also the difference I think between more. making. Uh so, you know, people come in so jujitsu, CrossFit, whatever it is. You know, people come in for, uh you know, an hour-long CrossFit class or an hour-long Jiu-Jitsu class if you just come to the fundamentals. Um, and if you think about it, you know, how often do most people train Jiu-Jitsu or how, many people, how often do most people come to CrossFit? You know, four times a week is pretty hardcore. That's four hours right. out of a whole week of hours. You know what I mean? I mean, how... It's not much. Right. It's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not much. So you better make that four hours fucking count for something. You know what I mean? So make sure it counts while you're in there, but you better make sure it carries over to at least some of the other hours in your fucking week that you're, you, you know, you're not in there. And I think that's like, we talk, you know, if you're not seeing any gains in your jujitsu or your physical fitness or whatever it is you're devoting that hour to, you're not seeing any gains in it. You probably should reevaluate a what you're doing while you're there, and then really, really evaluate what you're n- doing while you're not there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, that could really make or break your success. Yeah. I've w- I've watched uh, so my wife, <coughs> who has come in, and I mean, you know, she's been doing jujitsu now for a little bit, but really not that long. I I would say not that long, a few years, you know. But she come she is serious. Like she comes in. And she does not f around, dude. The hour that you get, or the hour and a half, she is like, she hates having me for a partner because I'm like, ah, you know, I'm like the Brazilian, you know, whatever. I'm like, ah, we'll do. And then I talk, and you know, and she's like, let's drill, drill, drill. But it, 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 it's, and that's, and I'm like, just relax, you know. But her fucking armbar is so nasty, and her techniques are getting so good, and I believe that that is a huge part of it. She does not squander a minute. <coughs> Of uh, of class. Well, another thing. I mean, uh, who's the fucking guy that wrote uh, fucking Outliers? Oh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. That's ten thousand hours, man. Yeah. You know, right. he, it's a, he says ten, you need ten thousand hours to become an expert or something. Well, if you think about it, you know, you have how many hours in a week? Fucking it takes a lot to get ten thousand if you're if you're only doing four hours a week. Yeah, but think mm-hmm. about it like this. So you got twenty four hours in a day times seven equals it's one hundred and sixty eight hours in a week, right? Does that make sense? And you're only there for four hours. So take away four hours. It's one hundred and sixty four hours. I don't know. I did that on calculator. <laughs> take away four. <laughs> I, I'm clearly not fucking. This is not a math, math podcast. Math. <laughs> fucking. All right. It's okay. But if you're going to accumulate that fucking 10,000 hours, you better be doing stuff other than that four hours yeah, you've been there. You know, exactly. I can, and we talk about this, is like, that's how I feel like how I got so good at jujitsu all the time, is I would go train as much as I possibly right. could. You know, it was more than four hours a fucking week. It was probably more like 20 hours a week. You know, I trained multiple times a day for hours at a time, whatever. Well, guess what? Those hours that I wasn't there, it was not like I wasn't fucking thinking about jujitsu and I right. wasn't researching and shit like that. Grabbing you know? the steering wheel like it's a baseball choke. Right. Or fucking having a fucking cutting off a gi sleeve and tying <laughs> it to the bottom of your fucking seat right. to work on your grips. Right. Or fucking watching endless fucking YouTube videos or fucking reading magazine right. articles. Back, back this up. A, a gi sleeve attached to <laughs> the bottom of your fucking 
seat in your truck, man. Fucking working that grip strength, son. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, so you were just grabbing onto a sleeve, just <laughs> like, pull on. Yeah. Well, have you felt a gi, like a, a jiu-jitsu gi? You have to fucking condition. It's been a while. Yeah. You have to, you you have gotta, to condition those fingertips. You really do. You really like, do. It's rough. When you go, if you don't do jujitsu, this is one of those things where everyone, it happens. And you can tell when someone who has, like, if they come in and they're wearing a colored belt and they come to class and this happens to them, you can tell that they haven't trained in a long time, is your fucking fingers get beat the fuck raw. off. Like, they get, they, get, they get raw. And the bot and the tops of your feet kind of get yeah, chewed I gonna, up. I was going to, oh, man, that's the dead giveaway. <laughs> from, like. from the mat burn, man. I can tell, like... I, it's one of the reasons why I continue to train on a regular basis to keep that leathery skin on the oh, top man. of your feet because your feet will fucking bleed and then fucking you stick your socks on and drive home and it's like peeling fucking. Oh, you get and then you get in the shower oh. and you're like, yeah. There, so that's that's a that's a dead giveaway for so so many people that come in and you know they've had some like they're a wrestler in high school right. or they've had some grappling right and then they haven't been in a while and they're bleeding all over the place, and right. it's all from the tops of their feet. Right, or, or you're fucking, I, I have really hard fingernails now for, yeah. because that gi will fucking bend those fingernails back and oh, you're yeah. gripping onto it. So yeah. to get over that, you fucking <laughs> cut a gi sleeve off and tie it to the fucking bottom of your fucking seat right. in your truck and just fucking, that's how obsessed I was, man. Like, yeah, interesting. It's, it takes that love. I mean, I don't know. It's easy to me. It's easy to and I, and, get that obsessed about it. But being that being said, I've been doing jiu-jitsu to be nine years in October, and I was fucking obsessed with it, doing that shit, and I don't even think I got 10,000 hours in yet. Right. You know what I mean? I'm, I mean... It takes a long time. So, if you're only fucking spending four hours a week, and that's it, and you're trying to become a fucking expert at something, right. good fucking luck. Keep your, keep your expectations real. Right. It's going to take a while. Right. And that's why I think a lot of people struggle... With jujitsu or whatever, anything that's hard, um, people don't want to do hard things now. You know what I mean? People do. People people want it easy. And jujitsu, I don't think there's an easy way. You know that I know of anyway. At this point, doesn't no, seem no, like it. There are no fucking shortcuts. It's like no. the same thing with building strength, man. I mean, there's no shortcuts. Right. I mean, I guess there's fucking yeah. shortcuts. <laughs> the hot sauce. The hot sauce. You're not gonna go in though. I'm not gonna hop in there and just but, start I pounding mean, out. But the real fucking truth of the matter is, even if you fucking are gonna get on those fucking supplements, those Mexican supplements, you still gotta put the work still in. It's not like you weights, fucking right? do fucking the juice and not lift the weight and get really strong. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think that I think that's one thing that's like. A misconception. Very pre- prevalent in our society is like everybody wants the easy way. Oh shortcut. Yeah. Everyone's looking for a shortcut. I mean, th- that that that's why things like uh, wh- what's the name of that stuff that uh, the the it's like something guys are like injecting their muscles with and becoming having. Oh th- yeah. They have. You've oh, seen like those the, pictures, the, the right? Silicone, right? Yeah. That I think it was a guy in Brazil. No, it was a Mexican. Oh, was, yeah. that, that boxer. Fucking. He was like a fucking. Uh, like politician too, like some Jesus. weird fucking yeah. scenario. Yeah. Yeah, injecting the, just just his biceps, <laughs> and then have like the biggest arms in the right. world. It's like, yeah, but you look like you got stung by a thousand bees. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that looks so completely unnatural. And you're missing. I feel like you know, you get older. I'm getting old now. It's like <laughs> I start to think philosophically on all these things. If you take the shortcut. You miss out on all the stuff that the whole thing is about, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's this whole thing that jujitsu or whatever, CrossFit or rock climbing or skiing, like, if, say, so if, I don't know if you guys ever went skiing, but like, if you go skiing, you could go ski the mountain, you know, it's a blast, you're having fun. 
But if you go and you hike the mountain and then you ski down it, it's like a hundred times more fun. It's like a hundred times harder too, but it's like so much more fun. And it so much seems like more than what it's about. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll go ride the lift, but it's like the journey, you know, the joy is in the journey or whatever. But if you, if you skip the whole journey, you just missed on what, you know, missed out on what it's really about. I I find that, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit before the podcast started. I mean, I've sent a fucking a text message to Scott yesterday, and I was like, man, I got a, I was just in a funk. I got a cold. I was just, you know, run down. I uh, didn't feel like doing anything. Haven't worked out real hard in about two weeks, you know, and I was just getting fucking resentful about yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Like, I could just feel that I was in this negative fucking space and i just fucking sent scott text message i was like yeah. i gotta stop being a fucking I, I hit you with some really deep deep <laughs> philosophy too <laughs> i was like i gotta suck it up no, I, was, I was like i gotta stop being a whiny little bitch and he was like so stop yeah <laughs> that's it really but that, right? i mean honestly that's the fucking but that's talking about this now it's like i that just remembering that it's a journey and not a fucking you know that's not about the destination. It's about the shit that goes on in between. It doesn't end, right? It doesn't end. That's the other thing like I talked about. Like, It's so fitting for me that I've devoted my life to something that never fucking ends. Never ends. <laughs> like, never like, ends. I'm on that fucking... It's, just a, it's a different treadmill yeah. really at this point, but a well, much it's, more it's enjoyable one. I, I did have a much longer response. And then I deleted it because, like, I you got to keep I, it I simple was, for him. You, you were in one place, and I was in a different place, and and because uh, I was I was just anal- just being way too analytical over society and and where we are as as far as like men masculinity these days, um, or even like humans in, in pretty general. sad, right? I mean, to be honest with you, I could have just written down on a piece of paper, "Stop being a whiny little bitch," yeah. and it would. I wasn't really looking for a response. I was just trying to fucking put it out there, get it out of my head. Into the yeah. fucking ether, you know. It was kind of like fucking, just I just needed to get it out there. I, mean, I I feel like that's one of the things that uh that that I have to do to get something done is I need to put it out there. It's kind of like this pod. I talked about fucking doing a podcast for fucking years, yeah. and I just needed to keep talking about it until someone was like, "Hey, are you gonna do that fucking podcast?" <laughs> I need to I need to just put it out there. The same thing with like competing. Like I don't compete that often, but like so if I'm gonna compete. I can't sit there and keep it to myself. Right. I gotta tell somebody like I'm gonna do this tournament, so then pe- I get have to be held accountable. Yeah, it's true. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Is, is is vocalizing that and 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 telling somebody like, hey, hold me accountable to this statement. Right. If you go back on that statement, then right. then you're just asking for like being called out. Right. Yeah, I mean, kind of held your word. I think is you can go along with the 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 conversation about society. You know, a lot of people, oh. you know. I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. Is and it's one of the things I definitely need to work on is doing everything you know that you say you're gonna do, and if you're not gonna do it, fucking say you're not gonna yeah, do it. Ain't doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> not fucking doing that. Something to be said about like uh, being judged by your actions and not your words. Right. I mean, yeah. you can talk all day, but like your actions are 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 the are the proof. That's the, the truth, man. That's the truth. Like I got, luckily, I got a wife who calls me out on that too. Like, <laughs> which it sucks bad. I think, I think we all do. It sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. But like, I'll be talking it. I'll be talking. You know, because I get philosophical in this jujitsu world when I'm teaching. I'm, you know, I'm like, I get all deep and shit, and I start telling these guys stuff, and and then like, then I go do the opposite, and and Amanda will be like. 
you are such a phony. And I'm like, <laughs> what, the, what are you talking about? And I'm all pissed off. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm phony. You know, and then like, I'll start thinking, I don't tell her this, you know, after, but then I'll start thinking about it. I'll be like, oh man, she's right. Like, I'm totally friggin'. <laughs> Totally told these guys, like, you know, don't use strength and don't, like, don't try to kill each other. And then I'm like, 10 minutes later, I'm trying to kill the dude. Or something, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, man, I'm so phony. Totally. <laughs> but, I, awesome. but, but I don't tell her that. Yeah, we, we, all, she's have, right. we all have this, that special pers- person in our lives that right. just calls us out on bullshit. Oh, yeah, that's right. good, though. You need that, man. And that's another thing I feel like. Don't, don't take your bullshit, your own bullshit too seriously. Yeah, if you, yeah. I mean, if think about if you don't have someone that, even though it hurts and it's like you don't want to hear it. and even if, But think about if you're like living in your, the lies you tell yourself and you keep lying to yourself and you keep believing it. You know, it's like, just like I was thinking about this, right? People who don't ever... You know, say like you're a guy. Like I try all kinds of crazy shit, even if I'm scared. You know what I mean? And I and I've tried to like, and I've made it a point after you know hearing these things. Like, you know, I want to be like I heard this. I think it's Kevin Smith, maybe on Joe Rogan one time in this little thing, and he's like, "Be a guy." You know, the the why not guy. Surround yourself with guys who are like why not. You know, instead of the guys that are like why would you do that or whatever. You know, and so I want to be like that guy. I want to be like. So one day we're in the we're in the hot tub. Be the yes man. Me, yeah, like yeah, let's do it. Like you know what? Even though it's crazy, let's friggin' do it. But we were in the hot tub with the Riddler, and I just must have listened to that or something. And I was like, I'm just gonna do all this stuff. You know, he's like. You want to do a podcast? I was like, sure, dude, why not? I'll do it. Like, I have no idea. Yeah? Right. I never really, uh, but all those things, like, you know, so I want to be like, it, I, so I was thinking about like trying new stuff, right? And it's really awkward and it's like embarrassing sometimes, but, and so I've had a million different jobs, you know, and it's like, I probably, if I would have just stayed in one, I'd be making about three times more money, you know, I'd be, all these other things that I don't care about would be happening, but it might be easier but instead, I do all these different things, and I have all these cool, like, beginner experiences that somebody who got out of college, got this job in accounting or whatever it is, and, man, they are, like, the accountant master or whatever, but they know nothing else about anything, so they started believing their own bullshit about, like, they, they know everything, you know? Like, oh, and, and those are the guys that come into jujitsu and they have a hard time because they're so used to knowing. They're so used to being the expert I never feel like the expert in anything because I'm always doing new stuff, you know, and I always suck. And you're like, man, I'm, you know, like, I don't know if I, if I, if that makes sense, but. No, it um, actually makes complete sense because I, I used to, I used to not like the phrase, uh, jack of all trades, master or none. Cause I thought it was a negative comment. Right. But like the, the older I get, the more, the, the newer experiences and I, I'm, I'm going out and I'm, I'm, I'm exploring and all that stuff master of uh, jack of all trades master of none is is so much more beneficial to your life seriously like, it's how i got the job that i have now which is a i mean which is an incredible job um it, it it's where it it that statement got me to where i am in life and and like i'm gonna keep it's on good for your ego it's, just, it's good for your oh hell yeah i mean no being being well versed i mean it's like derek and i constantly talk about like there's there's becoming too many specialists these days. Right. You got to be a little bit more generalist. Right. Doctors, whatever. It's I've heard you can't find like a general practitioner. Everybody's a specialist. Well, I mean, it's like the, f- I mean, if 
I, I'm gonna put my uh, put a statement on the limb there. Out. Yes, do uh, it. Last night. Oh yeah. Last night, right. the fight that just happened, the McGregor fight. Sure. Uh, not good enough in jiu-jitsu, apparently, according to you guys. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot of stuff going on there. There's a lot. I mean, uh, I mean, I think that uh, the more apparent thing that the more the fight that kind of embodied that statement more was a holly Holm yeah Misha day fight i thought it was like ufc one right there almost it was like the wrestler versus the striker <laughs> well the thing that well i mean no misha you, tate is pretty well rounded i was gonna say you could this, the thing about you could say about misha tate is that she was and i didn't i mean so, so i mean we can fucking dive right into this it was i i mean i didn't think misha tate was gonna win for sure i fucking picked holly Holm to win that fight i mean and i should have known better because everyone that i pick Right, always fucking right. loses, um, but I didn't think she was gonna win just because like you look at her training a little bit. Like I've like the fun, I mean I've shown some of the videos to Scott. You see her fucking like working out, and I'm like, you're doing that all wrong. Right, like you can't fucking swing a kettlebell right. You're fucking doing like uh, glute ham developer wrong. You're doing like these weird like fucking like Kegel exercises. Like, and she's like, if you look at her, she's just a fucking hot chick. Fucking, right. and I'm like, you're Warrior. doing. Right, you're doing like fucking it's Kegel exercises. <laughs> right, yeah, there are. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <You need> <laughs> it just, just the thought of like somebody doing Kegel exercises and it strikes me something for like, like fighting, fighting. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at it, and be like, you're not developing a warrior's body here. You're developing like a model's body. You know what I mean? Like you're doing like it almost looked like you were working out. It almost looks like she's working out for aesthetics and not performance, but. Hey, she impressed the shit on me last night because she fucking can. That that bitch can take a beating. Yeah. First of all, and uh, I mean that with all due respect. Right. Right. Um, uh, without a doubt. But uh, she was a generalist. You know, she her hands were just good enough. Yeah. Her wrestling was just good enough, and her jujitsu was just good enough to beat Holly Holm, who is an outstanding striker. You know what I mean? She she did just enough in the areas to get the fight where she wanted to finish it and she didn't give up that's the so the thing that i thought about the whole thing and i could totally be wrong <coughs> on it is um i th going into it i thought that the big advantage was winkle john and greg jackson game planning over caraway you know what i'm saying well like her do you know, do you know um her other coach is um robert follis if you ever look up Robert Files, like I think he's probably one of the most I'm Misha Tate's coach. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the most underrated right. MMA coaches in in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Like he's he's one step below only in popularity and notoriety than say Winkle John and Jackson and you know uh So they developed so I think they developed this this game plan for her and she was able to stick to it no matter what. And like when she was losing that fight, you know, probably three rounds to one, if if I was a judge, and uh, but she stuck to the game plan, and and was looking for a way to win the whole time, and even with a minute left, and she found the way to like she could have just checked out and and been like it's over, I fucking lost again, right? But she was looking for a way to win the whole time, and and when the time came, she jumped on it, man, and and did not let go. Yeah. And I was I was impressed, man. That was that was amazing. I I love Holly Holm too, though. I think she's a great. I mean, like, and, competitor like, and looking and, back uh, like the, the the Holly Holm fight and looking at it, at the way Holly Holm fought, I mean, uh it was almost like I couldn't believe it even happened. Now, like thinking about it, like those fucking oblique kicks where she was like fucking stomping on that fucking knee coming yeah. in, like I was like, 
That's, like, if you do that to me, I'm like, fuck this. Right? I'm, I'm fucking right? done with this fucking shit. You know what I mean? Uh, like, you fucking stomp on my fucking knee uh, like that, man. coming in on you. I'm like, and she fucking just stuck to it. It almost seemed to me that Holly Holm checked out yeah, at the end of that fight. Probably. She was like, she was on cruise control. She yeah. was like, all right, I got this. I'm going to fucking. Right, play it fucking Coasting safe. In. I'm gonna coast that last fucking minute and a half or whatever it was that was left in that fight, and fucking Misha Tate was like, "Nope, not doing that." And Misha Tate, wrestler like mentality, like getting after it. God, I mean, I was happy for her. I was one of those fights where I didn't want to see either one lose because I like them both. No, I like, and really I, th- I mean, I like Holly Holm. Like, if you listen to her, like, she's a fucking sweetheart. Yeah, she's man. awesome, you know. And I think she's clearly. I mean, I saw her. I think I posted it online. Um, you know, doing strict. Ring muscle ups. You know, if you're a girl and you're doing fucking strength, strict ring muscle ups, you're clearly fucking really fucking strong. Yeah, you know, so awesome. she's like, she's a great athlete. She yeah. just, I don't know, like she's a coasted or I can't imagine that working out at fucking Jackson Winkles on your wrestling is that right? fucking bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? But she just, like, it just went south quicker than she knew how to fucking turn. I don't know. It was, with, yeah, that was pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. She went right yeah. to sleep. Yeah, she went to. She went out on her shield. Yeah, she went out on her shield for sure. She really did. Those girls, both those girls. But I don't think you can take anything away from Conor McGregor either. I mean, I'm sure that the way the MMA, um, the way the MMA community is, they'll be all over him. And now he's the worst human being in the world. And yesterday he was the best. But I, I got a lot of respect for him for for taking that fight. Man, he fought a big. We just watched scrappy the, dude. Watched the thing before we started the podcast about like it was like a br- or didn't know, maybe I don't know if we. I I just watched the thing. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> what was going on before the podcast? Apparently, but um, <laughs> it was like how Conor McGregor had everything to gain, but also everything to, everything lose, to lose. You know what I mean? Like before that fight that he fought last night, he, uh, you know, if he would have won, he probably could have challenged for either one fifty five title or one seventy. You know what I mean? He could have called, you know, he was the first person this last fight. He was the first person in U.S. history to be guaranteed a million dollars to fight. If he would have won right. last night, he'd be like, I want two million right. next fight, you know? Um, and he just played a high stakes gambling game and he lost, on himself man. and he lost but and he owned up to it, which is yeah, good. For I, sure. I think that last night was an, uh, a, uh, a, a clear and example of how weight classes affect performances you know yeah. i think at at 145 i mean he was winging that left hand and i and you can say you know ron thinks that conor mcgregor was untested which you know he, he probably was you know whatever but you can't deny the power in that left hand at 45 i mean right. he knocked people fucking dead with that power right. of that left dead. hand dead at 45 <laughs> didn't see him at diaz ate him at ate 170 him. he was winging those fucking punches and right. fucking i mean and granted diaz is the probably one of the toughest individuals yep. ever and has a fucking iron chin but he was eating those shots you know what i mean they were they were cutting him up but i mean he's got a ton of scar tissue anyway but he was eating those shots at at 170 from that left hand i think if he would have hit anybody at 145 with those left hands the fight would have been over you know what i mean but and that's a a clear example that fucking weight classes fucking matter you know what i mean that you know and, and then in retrospect now i mean you look at like someone like i mean i don't think I don't think that Rafael Desanos fight is going to happen now. No way. But I think Rafael Desanos fucking would have trashed him. I know. You know Desanos I mean? is a scary individual. 
But the same, like we were talking earlier. But every I mean, fight. I mean, I, and then I guess I don't know. I haven't watched enough of Rafael Desanos fights to know. Does Does Rafael Desanos have a fucking iron chin? Has he been? I mean, but, he's fought fought Cerrone, right, and d- destroyed him. I don't know. Yeah, how but hard I don't. Know, I don't know if fucking even Cerrone fucking. He don't throw bombs. Bom- really. Hit him with fucking bombs. Even right. he kind of picks you apart until right. you fucking can't take it anymore. But like, he does Pettis throw. F- I mean, does he have one punch knockout power? I don't, think I don't so. know. I mean, Khabib fucking ragdolled him, but I don't think he fucking hit him with any hard shots. I mean, who has Dos Anjos fought that fucking has one one punch knockout power? N- Nate doesn't. I mean, right, right. Right. No, I, well, I don't care about it either, but like, I mean, and but Grant, I like to see fucking Conor McGregor talk. It's, it's pretty it's ent- awesome, It's entertaining. Man. It you is know? super entertaining. And he, but he's also, you can tell that he's smart about it because you ever notice like when it's one of those situations where he knows when to swear to be able to use it for mainstream TV. Right. Like he's very calculated in his shit talking, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's why I like people are like, oh, he's all this, he's arrogant, you know, he, he's, oh, he's a smart guy. No, he's fucking smart. He's For selling sure. fights, you know what I mean? I, I don't, and he I mean, does. I mean, I think he believes his own hype, but he doesn't got to not respect his opponent. Right. He's just trying to fucking make some goddamn money. You got to believe your own hype to fight anyway, like that. Right. You have to. If you don't, you're, you're not going to do well. I was very impressed with his striking ability in that first round. I was also very impressed with the other thing that impressed me was in, that fight and i don't know i mean could have i mean you never know what's going on in someone's head inside the cage but the fact that he jumped right in nate's guard yeah and fucking beat uh-huh. him up at the end of that first round i was like what are you doing no yeah. get out of there get out of there and i he thought fucking- he, i really thought he was going for a hill hook it looked like he was gonna grab onto the foot you know yeah i don't know what he i mean you know he trains with with high level jujitsu guys i mean straight blast right you know those guys are not slouches right john frankel john up frankel up that, up right bitch, yeah right Tell them. Right. I mean, it was. I thought those were very. It was very exciting. I don't. Uh, I don't. But I mean, that sweep, that fucking sweep he hit him with, like Nate's no fucking joke. On the no, ground. dude. I almost like think it was like that's why. Like you, I say like you don't know what goes on with their the head because or whatever. Nate wanted to play guard, I thought. Like, oh, I also feel like when Nate was no bullshit when he was like, oh, my whole game plan was to start slow. Right, you know right. You know what I mean? Because right. I, I didn't have a full fight camp. I right. didn't get a lot of rounds of sparring it. It definitely seemed like he was accepting a little more than he usually would right. to get it to that next round, which is also a very uh, risky game plan because Connor had a whole fucking camp. You know what I mean? He right. was obvious. And now the other thing, weird thing was like, he seemed like he fucking gassed. Yeah. In that but he's second fighting round. a big guy, man, a bigger dude than normal. You know, right. usually he's the bully in the, right. I mean, he's, he's a, Connor is not a small guy. No. When he fights those, you know, Aldo and those guys, he's, he's a big dude. Maybe. You I mean, know. I think he was the bigger guy in the fight with Dos Anjos too. I think. I think it was close. Like, I think Dos Anjos, yeah, I don't know. It was close. I mean, it was close. But Dos Anjos is a big guy. Right. But, yeah, Connor is no small guy. It was amazing, man. I, I mean, I really did enjoy those two fights. Yeah. And, uh, I, th- I, I was entertained, Dana. Thank you. Right. Thanks for the entertainment. I mean, I can't even, I'm like thinking right now who else is on that fucking card. Um, like, I was so, super, super surprised when I watched Diego Sanchez and Jim Miller on the Fight Pass. I think I was that, like, that, that's a marketing thing. Same thing with, like, putting Bisbing and... Right, right. And Anderson Silva Maybe. on the Fight Pass. Yeah. They're trying to just... I, I, mean, I honestly think that UFC is ahead of the curve. I think they see the fact that regular cable television is 
kind of going it's it's kind of it's on its way out mm-hmm. so if they can slowly kind of direct their traffic to fight pass there will be no need for fox sports anymore you know what right. i mean if you watch this on my ps4 there's right. no reason for you to have a cable at all right uh, yeah I, I don't have cable at all right. i mean last night i was scrambling to get someone's yeah. fucking cable login so i could watch fox sports uh, one i got Right, right. But I watched the prelims and the pay-per-view right, right on fucking my Apple TV at home. Right. The, uh... No, it was great, man. And I hope... I mean, you know, a lot of MMA fans are crazy, but I, I, I think Conor McGregor is like one of the throwback dudes, like where he, he'll, he, you know, maybe his mindset has changed now, but up until last night, he'd fight anybody. You know, he would take whatever fight there was, I think, and I kind of like that, like, instead of this calculating thing like he's a scrapper yeah comes a scrap and so does a nate diaz and that was the beauty of the whole thing yeah uh yeah i mean yeah i mean i'm sure dana probably might have heard his cash flow stream last night i don't know i just read a thing in the underground right here says uh article White says Diaz made so much money last night we may never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, is like I mean, I, I you know the Diaz brothers are awesome, man, and they like they drive me crazy, but I love them and I can relate to like I can just I can relate to them, man, because I was so crazy growing up and like so it's like deep down inside I do love those guys. They drive you friggin' nuts, but I always I always have a hard time rooting against the Diaz brothers. Right. They they come they fight hard, you don't know if they're gonna show up to the to, <laughs> to, to the things they're supposed to show to, to up the, to. to the news junket. You know, yeah, you know, but I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to show up to that either. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You fucking. I mean, I know some. So, uh, jujitsu. It's weird. It's a very small fucking community. So I know people who train with Conor McGregor, right? And I know people who also train with the Diaz boys. So I, I was like. Didn't really have a fucking dog in the race, you know. I, I'm fans of both, but the one thing, a lot of people, I feel like just because of their shenanigans and stuff like that, a lot of people really don't get how smart and because of the way they talk and things right. like that, don't really get how smart the Diaz boys are. Both of them, Nick and Nate, you know, they, uh, <coughs> I mean, I think they're both vegetarians, you know. Train hard, triathlon, triathlons. You know they're always in shape. You know, uh, and and they know how to fight. They know where their strengths and weaknesses are. They know how to kind of get the the uh, the fight to where they need to get it to win. And you know, plus they got like they got their whole little like their you know their scrap pack. Like those guys are tight, man. Those guys are tight. Kron and all those guys. They showed that fucking. You see that picture with them? Like they all were wearing fucking Nate shirt, and it was like. Fucking twenty-five of them, but it was yeah. like fucking Jake Shields, Gert right. Melendez, both Nick and Nate Diaz, fucking Joe Schilling, Crone, uh, like Richard Perez, who's their boxing coach, yeah. uh, fucking like like there was like twenty-five guys who were all m- fucking murderers, yeah. and they're all just standing there like fucking let's do this, you know? And they're they're t- and the, you know like in that I don't know if that was the way in where there was like it turned into kind of a scrum there when Connor punched his hand. Oh, it was like but the, you the see person. all the the you know. Well, did the, you see the thing before that where they have footage of fucking Nick saying to Nate like fucking Nate <laughs> bent down and Nick was on the floor. He was like, "If he fucking touches you, it's on." <laughs> <laughs> it like, and you so, know it is. It you is know? Yeah, they were to fucking throw down right there. Now, 
Because Nick is banned, is that why he wasn't? You didn't see him at the fight last night. Like, I mean, I didn't remember seeing him. So I don't know what his deal is with, um, like, what the specifics are of both situations. But I know that he's got like a year or so left on his fucking suspension from fighting from testing positive fucking marijuana. Weed. Which, like, I've heard that test in particular was kind of fucking bullshit. Like, he passed two right. WADA tests, but then he failed this fucking quest diagnostics fucking uh, piss test, which is, like, totally not reliable. Right, right. But supposedly what they did say was kind of like they finally, they just wanted to stick it to him because, it, like, I don't, know, I don't even know if the fight was in the United States, but I guess he pissed so hot <laughs> for pot when he fought fucking Gomi that they were like, he would have had to been fucking barbecued when he fought <laughs> he fucking fought All Gomi. Right. Like smoked the minute before he walked in the ring. That's how fucking hot he fucking test. But uh I know that he's still banned for that, but then he also I and which is I don't know how it works with Nate, but I know Nick and Nate and Gil Melendez are banned from a certain casino <laughs> in Las Vegas because they got into fight with Khabib Nurmagomedov and his crew. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. At like yeah. a strike for or right. at a Bellator fight right. or something like that. Right. Or a World Series of Fighting. I know what you're saying. Right. Right. So I don't I know do if, if that. maybe that they were fighting in the casino that he's banned from, so he couldn't be on the floor or something. I don't know. But they have a history of violence outside of the ring. Right. <laughs> the whole Mayhem Miller thing. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah. So I mean. They come to fight. I, they do, man. I have a soft spot in my heart for those guys. I really do. Well, I love them. I, I mean, I can remember talking to people, and it's, uh, and it makes perfect sense when you think about it. Talking to some people who train with them on a regular basis, like that whole like, when is the last time you've gotten a fight with someone where you fucking shook their hand before? You know, right, you right. might you might shake hands afterwards, right. but beforehand, you're not fucking shaking hands. Right. You guys, that guy's trying to fucking beat your ass, and you're trying to beat his. There's no. It's like Bisbing and, and Anderson Silva. Like right. when B and Anderson Silva tried to hug him after round one or whatever, and Bisbing like, shoved that. him. Like, that was the greatest. I loved it. Get I loved it. Off, yeah, man. like we'll hug after. Right. Um, yeah. So that was intense, man. That was a crazy night. Of uh, I really enjoyed those fights last night. But I, I couldn't tell you really. I mean, Filthy Tom Lawler fought. Uh, but I don't know who. I didn't know Corey who. Corey Anderson. I didn't know who the other guys were, like the other fights, really. You know, there's a lot of guys I didn't know. Amanda Nunes and right, uh, right. That that was a fucking snooze fest, to be honest with right. you. That girl fucking stood there flat-footed for so long. Um, Brittany gets some mad at me because I'm like, I know enough or to fucking coach somebody, so right. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Brittany's like, why don't what? Stop yelling at the TV. <laughs> Right. I was yelling. I was yelling at the TV with, with Misha Tate. I'm like, get the takedown, get right. the takedown, get the leg. Oh man! But that's like after you know, like so we were all at Icon last weekend, and uh, I mean, you know, you coached everybody. Like, you get into the coach mode, man. Right. You're yelling at people. Right. Yeah. I. Uh, I I'm one of those people where like I can like I. We talked about. I get fucking obsessed with shit, like singularly obsessed with stuff. And one of the things that I get obsessed with about, we talk about, I love fucking obscure greatness, like people who are fucking. I love great coaches. Like yeah. I fucking. Oh man. You know, you could be a world class, um, you know, whatever you're doing. But and then I, I whoever the best guy is, I always look at 
who their coach is. That's one thing I do a lot. I mean, fucking, you look at Michael Jordan, fucking Phil Jackson. I mean, I'm not even a basketball fan, you know, but Phil Jackson was the fucking the Zen master, you know, right. like he had all these coaching techniques. And then you look at like the best grapplers in the world, some of the best fighters in the world. You know, you got fucking Chris Weidman and fucking George St. Pierre. And then who's their fucking grappling coach? Fucking right. Dan Danaher. You know what I mean? So he's like obsessed like, with fucking Danaher, you know? And it's yeah. like, you look at who are the best fucking crossfitters in the world. Fucking, you know, Noah Olsen is killing it all the time. Or fucking Matt Fraser. I look at fucking Dusty Highland and fucking Ben Bergeron. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, I get so obsessed with fucking good coaching. Like people who are unbelievable coaches. I have so many, like that's my thing. You know what I mean? I think that that's my fucking and one of the amazing things that is being, uh, is being a, a, an amazing coach i think that's like the greatest thing who was that man i can't think of his name the wrestler that was you know pro- like the greatest you know american wrestler dan, dan gable yeah like so he went from being the greatest wrestler to like being the greatest coach you right know? same like, thing with kale sanderson right kale sanderson was probably the next greatest wrestler in american history and he's a fucking he, I mean, he turned. I mean, Penn State was pretty good before he went there because he, I think he wrestled for Dan Gable at Iowa, right? And then he was the coach at Iowa, and then he went to Penn State because he's from Pennsylvania originally, yeah. and now Penn State's on a fucking tear. A lot of times, like guys that are really, really good aren't able to coach well, right? You know, because maybe they had a lot of talent and they can't. You know, it's just I don't know, whatever. Like Pete Rose or whatever. I don't think he was a very good baseball coach, but he was a great baseball player, right? So when like yeah, just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that you're a great coach. Yeah, because usually like the athletes I've seen that have been great are uh, aren't able to translate, you know, into like teaching someone that isn't as good, you know, and they're like they can't get the message across because they just do it. Right. Yeah. I. Uh, it, I mean, you can go on and on about the the great coaches out there. I, that's one of the things like, and I try to like look into. Is there a parallel between what makes I forget about what the activity is, like what makes a good coach a good coach? And I can't fucking pinpoint it. And I'm trying to. Like, what's the secret to being a great yeah. coach? You know, and I'm I just like You need to go spend some time with Danaher. I've I've spent some time like I haven't spent a lot of time with Danaher. I mean I've I've trained with him before and, and that's the thing that like I try to do when I'm teaching anything is I try to I'm I've never had a fucking original thought in my whole life. I just regurgitate shit that I've heard throughout the years, you know, um, and and kind of piece put the pieces of the puzzle together where I find that they fit. So I try to teach the way that John Danaher teaches a lot, but it's one of those things where like he te- he's one like he's a great coach and a great instructor and amazing whatever. But there's no one else that teaches the right. way he teaches. You know what I mean? And and that's what I'm saying is like. All these different teaching styles. Like, I would, I mean, pick any other fucking amazing coach. I mean, I, I would, I'm willing to say, and I could be way wrong because I haven't spent time with all of these people, but I would assume that the way that Dan Gable approaches coaching wrestling and the way that John Danaher approaches teaching jiu-jitsu is probably not similar at face value. Right. But what is the underlying thing that makes them great coaches? That's what I'm interested in. What is that thing... That how do they, what do they do under the surface that makes them connect with their athlete and gets them, their athlete to raise their level? Well, you know I think I, mean? I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. Where it's it's a it's the ability to modify towards your athlete. Right. Right. Um. I know. I 
I personally, as a coach, have made have had better success with being able to adapt on the fly because um, I'm going to teach you how to clean a weight different than I'm going to teach you how to clean a weight. Right. I'm, I'm pointed to, to um, George and uh, Derek, respectively. So it, it's it's the ability and the humility to say, like, I don't, there's no absolute. There's no one absolute way to teach somebody how to do something you have to modify it towards because i mean you, like you're going to be more receptive to a cue than you are right in some circumstances so it's i think it's i think it's not not only the ability to be humble enough to keep on learning different ways to teach your athletes or your fighters or anything like that um it, like just be able to like modify I think that's one one thing that makes makes a really a good coach a good coach is like being able to just like change how you say things and cater to different different people like on the fly especially in a competitive environment I mean you're going to if you say the same thing to one person it might fire them up and and make them better but if you say you know you could say that same thing to another person and it could like you know shut them off right it's yeah. uh being being able to 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 listen to it's not just listen to somebody verbally. It's listening to somebody's body language. Yeah. I mean, like we're, we're in the opens right now and I can tell you, I can, I'll cheer for one person one way and cheer for a person another way. And it's, and, and usually shows in their, in, in their body. Like even in like regular workouts, I'll cater to what I say to different people. Like one person, I'll just say, "Suck it up, princess." <laughs> pick up the goddamn bar, and then the other person will be like, "You know what? You can do this. I know you can do this. Pick up the bar, get your head right, put yourself back into it. Grab your nuts, get <laughs> back out there." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you ever teach little kids? Uh, here and there. So teaching little kids, like I have found, is like, um. Shows you these things big time, you <laughs> right. know, like because you in, so I can think like when you're telling me this, I can think of like this instance of this one little kid we got who's about five. And uh, there's like a little YouTube video. Him talking out about there. The, the Iron Ninja. Yeah, the Iron Ninja. This kid is amazing. I mean, he is something else. I, and think, I, I think the kid that you're talking about. That this kid, I think he's smarter than I am already. Without a doubt. Like he's smarter than me. He's 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 intelligent. He can't, and it, it's he's typical like. One of those kids that has grown up in the age of information, like was born in the middle of the age, because you can't bullshit this kid. You cannot. Fucking That's the truth. Like you tell him something, like some, some, and I don't have that much experience with him, but I've told him things like, like things you would typically tell a five-year-old to get them motivated, and he's like, "No, it's exactly that's, what he's that's no. that's not how that works. It's not true. <laughs> that's not true, George." Right. And I'm like, "No, it's true, man." Because I say all these crazy things to get the, you know, and he'll be like, "No." He's like, no, that's not true. That's that's not what my mother told me. And I'm like, well, don't listen to your know-it-all mother here. Get on the mat. <laughs> but uh, this is a kid, right? Who he's slow. Like he's, you know, I mean, you know, he's not. He's like, we're shrink. He's we're doing, physically slow. Yeah, like, like so. So like, no, no sense of urgency. No sense of urgency. Not really getting. You know, not really. I. Fi- it's hard to motivate him, and 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 I found so. Like, and he'll be, you know, we're doing line drills, which you're, everybody's shrimping down the mat or doing whatever, you know, they're doing. And so I'll start cheering for him, you know, and I'll start cheering his name. And he gets so upset, like, don't say my name. And I'll be like, listen, if you go faster, I won't say it. But like, 
<laughs> so you got to like adapt your whole, and I don't even, I still don't know how to motivate him. We had a tough week last week where, you know, he spent a lot of time in the corner crying because class started when he didn't want it to. <laughs> and, but, but on the other side, this guy, I, I have never seen someone, and I don't pretend to be a guidance counselor, but I was like, listen, you should be an actor. You know, like he comes dressed as diff- something different every class. Like right. that's Ninja, why they call him the Ninja, Ninja Turtle because he, he'll wear a costume underneath his gi, yeah. which is fucking hilarious. So great. <laughs> Normally, how old, how old is this kid? He's like five. five. Or something awesome. like that, six. His kid is awesome. <laughs> He's I, awesome. I do love him. Yeah. I mean, he is. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go He's over got it too some, well. Like, underlying genius going on. Oh, right. without a doubt, a hundred percent, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, he came last. Thursday, dressed as a pirate, and he had uh, all the whole thing, dude, pirate hat, and I was just like, oh, this is so great. But then he, you know, sat in the corner crying the whole time. And I tried 14 different ways, you know, and finally I was like, all right, Soren, uh, all right, listen, dude, um, you can go, you know, sit, sit in the corner, you can cry and whine, just do it really quiet because I'm getting a headache. <laughs> and and then, but then, you know, towards the end, he was coming back to life a little bit, you know, coming around. Um, so with kids, man, you just, you know, it just like. It's like a magnifying glass. Yeah, it's like yeah. a magnifying glass. It really is, I think. Well, the other thing I was talking about this is I, I feel like the, the other thing that I, the great coaches that I've experienced, whatever, is two things. One is that they are really authentic to themselves. You know what I mean? They don't try. I mean, and maybe that's a downfall of mine and I need to start doing that more. But I feel like, you know, I. I I take what I've learned and I've kind of fit the puzzle pieces together and I kind of make it my own, um, which is, I guess, me being authentic. But that has be, and this is the thing that I think that I'm, I really try to reiterate when I'm doing this is be honest, be honest with your athlete, be honest with whoever you're coaching, your student, or whatever you want to call them is. And if you don't know something, say you don't know it, and and tell them that you'll work on it with them. You know what I mean? I think that's a, a breath of fresh air when people do that, or whatever, and you know be honest about the situation that the person's in and things like that you know and and i think that that is that's a a, a huge deal someone who's gonna I mean, you can't trust someone who's gonna bullshit their way through something you know you can't can't be the guy like you see in fights all the time where they're like down they've lost the first two rounds and their coach is telling them in between rounds like you're doing great you're right. doing great it's like you need the guy in the corner telling you you're down two rounds, man. You better come out like right and have fucking constructive things to fucking say. You know what I mean? Right. I this compliment sandwich. Right. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's nothing fucking worse. And I like go to jujitsu tournaments, and I'm uh, this is how I know when I know that I'm going to completely out coach someone. It doesn't matter if the two athletes are right. If my athlete is not as skilled or as in that good a shape or whatever, is when I know I can completely out coach someone. That being said, if my athlete listens. Right. If my athlete doesn't listen, you know, but when the fucking other coach, because I don't, I, if I don't fucking have anything to say, I don't say it. Or, or I find something, like even if it's the most minute thing, a little cue to give, but it's very deliberate and constructive. Is when another coach is just like yelling random fucking shit, like "Don't let him do that" or "Don't do that" or "Don't like." Instead of telling him what not to do or what her not to do or whatever, tell them what to do. You know what I mean? Even right. if it's the most minute thing, you know, that a lot more shit could be going wrong. But if you give that person one little thing to focus on instead of being overwhelmed by the situation, it makes a huge fucking difference. You know, and mm. I think that goes into over coaching as well. Like if I see someone who's doing it, like if I give a technique to to teach 
and someone's having a really hard time with the technique, I will give them the most minute fucking detail to get right. And when they get it right, I'm like, perfect. You did that, that part, fucking perfect. Now, keep doing that. Like, if nothing else in the technique goes right, at least you've mastered that particular part of the technique, and you won't have to worry about it when you figure out the rest of it. You know what I mean? And and I also try to... I couldn't agree more. Right. I couldn't agree more. And I also try to pick that one little fucking thing that's the most important. You know what I mean? I, I evaluate the situation, you know, if it's like a a, uh, a side mount escape, you know what I mean? Just for example, you know what I mean? Like, you need to figure out, forget about fucking getting back to your guard, forget about fucking getting back to your knees, forget about all that shit. Work on, either, like, so two things. One is fucking get your hand in between your hip and their hip. If you do that, things will start to fucking manifest themselves. Or, bigger thing, work on figuring out how to get that fucking underhook. Once you get that, you know, the, the rest of it will kind of take care of itself eventually in the long run. But if you can't get the underhook or get that hand in between you and their hip, nothing's going to happen. Nothing. You know what I mean? So, like, I just try to look at the situation. What is the most important part of this fucking technique? Do that right. Forget about everything else. I think, yeah, you know, so a lot of, a lot because I have a lot focused on underhooks, definitely when I'm passing in tournaments or whatever else. And I definitely, like, when I do well, it's because, I mean, there could be many reasons, but a lot of the times it's because nah, I do no, not give no, up there's fighting. No, there's no many reasons. <laughs> I, so a lot of the times I do not fo- fight, I do not give up fighting for that underhook on the top. You know what I mean? Right. And someone will give up before I, g- I will keep fighting for the underhook till I get the underhook. Right. The guy on the bottom will usually give up before me because I won't stop fighting for that underhook, you know? And then when I get the underhook, I'm like, ah. Or he doesn't want the underhook. Or he doesn't want, right, right. But usually guys my size, right. I, can, I can, once I get that underhook. See, I, I think you can like, even fucking, like, so that's a, a great thing. But eventually you're going to come to a situation where that guy is going to fight for that underhook just, just as hard as, as long. you are. <laughs> so you can start looking at other things, like start head position. right. I think head like before you even start looking for that fucking underhook, the head position is. I mean that the head position could make or break the fact that you get that underhook. Right. right. You know what I mean. So you can even like even get it more simple. Yep. And break it down to, you know, this is the, this is the one small detail. And I mean, and I, I mean honestly, we talk about fucking. I know you don't do CrossFit, but you can think about fucking CrossFit. Think about grappling. Think about. Whatever else is like controlling fucking where your head goes, right? Crosses all those fucking planes, you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's one of those things where, like, yeah, you know, like you're teaching a technique, they're not getting it right, just work on getting your head here. As long as your head stays here, you'll be all right. Part of the battle is won, right? You're winning small battles and not the fucking war, right? But those things, I mean, if you think about like what you were saying. The tide, like the tide, you know, up in, so in the side mount escape, the tide is going against you. Right. You know what I mean? And you are sinking into the quicksand. But once you do one thing right, sometimes that stems the whole thing. Right. And then you can change it and the tide starts going with you. Right. But if you don't focus on, you know, if you, if you. Well, it's also a very fucking, like I said, it's a very overwhelming situation. Oh, yeah. Like I, so I just got my fucking guard passed or I got taken <laughs> down right into fucking side mount. This guy's fucking heavy i'm fucking tired you know uh things everybody's screaming at me right right seems like things are only going to get fucking worse forget all about that and just think about doing this right 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it gives you kind of like a little piecemeal thing to. Uh, right. That I that is one thing you do well is you do you do reach, you're a grappler. I mean, I can hear you. I can hear what you're saying in the match, and it like makes sense. Right. And uh, most of it makes you know. And and if the parts that don't make sense make sense to me later, usually right. I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, why was he telling me to do that? Right. And then later you think about it, and I'm like, oh, I see why. I get it now. A couple of days later, I'll be because I think about things like that for days sometimes. I don't blow. I don't try to blow fucking smoke up my own ass, really. Like I try not to fucking believe my own bullshit. But I do truly believe that up until probably purple belt, or you know maybe even a lot of brown belt situations, if you just listen to fucking what I say, yeah, you no. will, you will fucking win for you know sure. I mean, like I, I I almost feel like you know there are a lot. I mean, this is a really fucking drastic thing to say but i th- feel as far as coaching goes i can coach with the best of them yeah you do well you know what i mean like even like with me for sure fucking like even <clears throat> i mean like i said i have high high aspirations for john danaher and and a lot of jiu-jitsu coaches dave camarillo i have fucking huge asper- you know uh, uh respect for and kind of idolize in that aspect on a lot of you know great john frankel fucking you know um goes on and on about jiu-jitsu coaches and what they get their athletes to do you know I, but i feel like as far as coaching goes it won't i i can at least hang with those guys coaching wise you know what i mean if you just listen to fucking what i say you'll you may not win but you won't lose nah, that's you know true I mean? man i've i've experienced it it's true it's uh yeah you i mean you can i can hear you i try to do what you say and it's been it's worked well for me, you know what I mean? Like it's worked well. Right. I, I I would agree, man. That's one of your strong suits, for sure. Yeah, I feel like, and I, that's I'm trying to fucking carry that thing over into everything else in my life, and it's fucking it's hard, man. It's real hard figuring like you find like trying to recreate magic mm. all the time, you know. It's, yeah. Isn't I, that the purpose of coaching though? Is just like constantly just keep on creating that magic. Right, with, uh, with your athletes or your, or your I mean that's uh, I mean honestly like so that's one of the things about and I, I guess this is me putting it out there you know what I mean like and and now hopefully the world and the universe will kind of fucking hold me accountable to it but like I mean that's what I f- I fucking love about CrossFit you know like I I love the 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 gathering of information aspect of it you know what I mean I I love the results that it's done for me like I'm so much healthier now whatever but gathering that that the information of strength and conditioning as a whole you know what i mean and looking at all that that the things that you could do that translate into real world situations i i fucking love that you know i'd love to fucking you know get a level one someday and fucking be proficient enough to to coach crossfit and and help people in that way too you know and 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 figure out that whole the coaching aspect of that game um you know (laughs) i think that's why i I, another coach that i really really um hold in high regard and, and, and really fascinated by it is Nick Curson, you know, kind of, cause I think he's, I see myself following that same path. You know, he's a, um, a jujitsu black belt who taught jujitsu for a long time, um, had his own school and all that stuff. And then, you know, didn't go to school for strength and conditioning, just kind of fell into it and fucking got really obsessed with it. And now throughout the years and because of being obsessed with strength and conditioning he's one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world and i think that he i mean i've heard him talk yeah, about how wealth of information uh, too. but it all stemmed from 
his jiu-jitsu experience, learning jiu-jitsu and coaching, and he's kind of recreated that magic with strength and conditioning, and he's applying what he's learned to strength and conditioning to, it started with combat athletes, you know, um, fucking Rafael Desanos and fucking all those guys, uh, forget what, um, Aaron Pico, who's like one of the greatest American wrestlers and things like that, and um, forget who the fucking boxer is that he trains he's like a 145er hits like a fucking ton of bricks but now he's he's surpassed that i mean joe Schilling, he trains but now he's like nick lamb who's one of the greatest surfers in the world you know what i mean so he's he's <laughs> and he trained with marv marinovich huh. who was <laughs> i mean if you watch the murder project he's a fucking psycho right but but, <laughs> but i mean bj penn right. he was the he's the reason bj penn was in such good shape as he was so he started in that combat realm and now he's surpassing the combat realm. You know, I would like to fucking take what I've learned in jujitsu, and I, I mean, jujitsu is my my first love and my passion. But I want to fucking, as a coach, surpass jujitsu. You know what I mean? I I would really love to be beyond jujitsu. I want to fucking help people in all fucking realms, or whatever. And I think that's you know, that's Do what I'm saying. Like, I fucking I love great coaching. What's, what's holding you back? I mean, I think I'm in the I'm in the uh, the, the information gathering right. stage. You know what I mean? The incubation like, stage. Right. Well, I don't want to. Well, the other thing too is like like what I just talked about was being honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I'm being honest about my skill set right now. I'm gathering fucking information. You know, I I know how to coach. Now it's gathering the information to relay that message. You know what I mean? I'm I've I honestly can say, um, the things that I've coached for a quote unquote profession as much as I've done anything else. You know what I mean? Like I. I coached wrestling when i was younger you know when i was in in junior high i i, I helped coach the the fucking little kids hmm. you know uh i coached fucking lacrosse when i got out of fucking high school for a couple of years you know i've been almost teaching martial arts for as long as i've been doing it you know a couple of years in um because of certain unfortunate circumstances you know what i mean so like i have a, a many many years of coaching experience now it's just finding you know gathering the information to share it you know what i mean just i'm fucking a conduit um practicing man you're out there practicing you know you're right. coaching us you're right. coaching us at these competitions so i mean that's that's the the i mean kind of got off on a fucking tangent but it's just that i bring tangents right. to the to these things right i'm the t bringer of tangents but yeah i mean so coaching man i think i think coaching is a is a often overlooked <laughs> amazing art that is a lot of people can't do or don't want to do that I think it's fucking awesome. It is, man. I agree. It, uh, I mean, to me, part of it, like, the the emotional and mental, you see, like, because I try to, I, you know, I'm competing last weekend and coaching at the same time, right? right? And you got to, like, you got to get inside people, because people lose, and it's right. like, you know, I, you got to. I, 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 I can't, that's one thing where I fucking, I fail miserably at that. I cannot fucking coach and compete at the same time. And there's some people who are like, I'm like, I'm so envious of you, because you can do that. You can be a world champ and coach world champs. You know what I mean? And I mean, and it's good the way, like, a lot of scenarios are set up. Like, you compete, and because you're the level you are, you go, and then people under you that you're coaching go, whatever, but. My whole fucking day is gone, you know. I coach fucking. I if I compete, it's, it's intense, right? If I compete and the competition's over, is like, guess the fucking last thing I'm doing is fucking <laughs> coaching you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of it's one of those things where I, for me personally, and that's it'd be an interesting topic to talk to other people who coach too. Is I've it's it's one or the other for me. It's not I can't do both. I can't put 100 percent into competing and then have anything left over to coach and vice versa. I can't put 100 percent 
into coaching and have anything left over to fucking compete. It's one or the other. I'm fucking all in on one or the other. That's it. Can't do it. Yeah, it's hard to do that because I mean you got to get your own mind mindset. Right. And then I'm, I'm but then the, the other thing too that is like, so I get my in my own mindset to compete, and then afterwards I'm so mentally fucking like Smoked. it's gone yeah. it's fucking like there there's no mindset after that the mindset is gone it's it's my brain is fucking mush i'm actually like the opposite like i i'm, I'm okay mentally after the competing parts done like because i don't i don't know if i but after coaching man i'm like sitting in the corner like spent like exhausted totally just depleted of everything well that like it's both for me right it's either right. i'm depleted after fucking competing or i'm depleted after coaching right. there's no there's no reserve tank right. it's it's Do all you, getting fucking spent when you're done when you're done coaching like if it's like a regular day of the week when you're done coaching do you feel more alive more energetic after you're done coaching like i mean i i personally i can have like kind of a shitty day and go in and i'll be in kind of a crabby mood right up until uh, it's like five minutes before I'm supposed to teach a class and come out of the office, s- like get my mind right, and then start that start that warm up clock, and all of a sudden, like my mindset is completely different, and by the end of the class, I'm in a great mood and I feel, I feel much better, uh, at the end of end of a class. So uh, we we talked about this with Pete a little bit about, um, jujitsu. Um, I feel like. <clears throat> the coach when i coach a regular class um it can really make or break my day honestly and i think that that's where a lot of people who go and re- this kind of doubles back to being uh responsible and and things like that for what you're doing in that hour's time or hour and a half or what, when you're res- partaking the activity is like you also need to be aware of what how you're affecting the person teaching that class and the people around you also taking that class or or engage in that activity because i can be having the shittiest fucking day ever and go teach class and if the people at the class are fucking hyped they're eager to learn they're in there they're stoked they're going hard you know the intensity is there. Everyone's having fun, having a good fucking time, whatever. I leave there, and I'm like, oh, man, fucking I needed that so bad. Like, I feel so fucking good now, and I'm tired because I put 100% into it, but I'm at peace. You know what I mean? But I could be having the same opposite of the spectrum as I could be having the best day ever, and I go in there, and everyone's flat. Fucking no one wants to be there. Everyone's having a bad fucking time. No one wants to roll hard or, or with purpose, you know, and I can't just get people motivated to do anything or whatever. I can leave that class and be like, I fucking ruined my day. You know I mean, I could have the best fucking day ever, and it, but it's I'm because I like I said, like you know, it's it's a very small, it's 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 a it's a uh, micro size of that tournament situation, but I still put one hundred percent of myself into that hour and a half. You know what I mean? And it really, really, like like I said, like, and that's probably one of my faults, you know, and, and I hold that in high regard. But, like, if I can't get people motivated and, and having fun and people are having a good time and, and things like that, like, I take it personally. You know what I mean? And, and you know, so. because you put a lot into it. Right. You know, you're putting your heart and your soul into it. 
But if someone, but um, but like I said, the opposite end of the spectrum is I could go in and be like, fucking, today fucking sucked. I'm checking out. I'm over today. I'm ready to be over. You know, I just want to fucking get through this hour and a half and go the fuck home. And people there are like, fucking, let's do this. Let's get after it. You know what I mean? And by the end of that class, I'm like, man, that was fucking what I needed. You know what I mean? I feel fucking all is right with the world again. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, it, it could really go either way. And that, we talked about that with Pete is, you know. And and we touched on a little bit on this this podcast was, you be aware of what you're doing in that class. You know what I mean? You right. just because you're having a shitty day or you're having, you know, you don't you you don't want to put maximum effort into that activity. You're affecting the person running that class. You're affecting the people also in that class. You have an energy that. You know, not to sound too fucking hippy-dippy, but it fucking reflects on other people. People pick up on your fucking energy, your body language and things like that. So, you know, you want to be a fucking good training partner, a good fucking student, whatever is, you know, invest that fucking time and, and be aware of what's going on. I mean, that's like <laughs> we talked about, we dropped this kid's name all the time, Robbie. Robbie, this guy at this fucking, at the, at the CrossFit gym, you know, um, the guy's a fucking beast, you know. I fucking saw him lunge fucking 315 pounds the other day on accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because. But the thing that I love about Robbie is the kid is all in all the fucking time. You know, you could have the dumbest fucking joke. It's the dumbest joke ever. Like where you're giggling like two fucking five-year-olds at fucking recess. He is 100% in on this fucking joke. Like it's it's he's just in. You know what I mean? Like. And that's he's he's a robust, enthusiastic individual, and he's like when like and I, I mean honestly he's in, he's in such great shape, and you kind of look at him, you know, he's like a little pit bull, you know, and and me being two hundred and thirty five pounds and being you know a black belt in jujitsu, like it's a little intimidating, you know what I mean? He's a fucking heavy hitter, you know, he can do like anything you want him to do, he'll fucking do it. I'd love to get him to do some jujitsu, you know what I mean? But it's intimidating, but he's the guy that is like, he'll come up to you and fucking be like, you can do this, man. You can do this. And he's the always one cheering everybody on at the end of class. And you know, he's, he's just yeah, that. His, his energy is always like <clears throat> at a high level, you know, and I could go to like it, this, the greatest is when I fucking don't feel like going to fucking CrossFit and he's there and he's and, or lifting weights or whatever. And he's there and he starts fucking in on being 100% in. you're like, fucking, I'm so glad I came and I'm so glad that he was there, you know? And we have people like that at the Academy, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, this is something I want to say to all the listeners out here. Been <laughs> um, and you just you just really brought it up, right? So all these things like jujitsu, I've never done CrossFit, but it's you know it's CrossFit, weightlifting, yoga, whatever it is you're doing and you want to do, you know, and it gets hard and you want to quit. I've wanted to quit so many times. Like I come home, I want to throw the gi in the garbage, whatever. It hasn't happened in a while, but it used to happen in blue belt all the time. You know, I'd be like, fuck this. Fuck these guys. This is fucking stupid. You know, you throw it. You want, I'd want to throw the thing away. I'd want to like, you know, and, and so, but if you don't quit, whatever it is you're doing, just do not quit. Keep showing up. If only for the fact of your training partners need you. You know, if you quit, you're being selfish. Like, there are people at the academy, at the gym, at the Bikram yoga place or whatever it is, they need you to show up. Right. Like, if you don't want to show up for you, show up for them because right. they need you. Right. You know, like, just don't, like, you will get, 
you will understand it. Like maybe you don't feel like you're understanding whatever's happening or whatever. If you keep going, you will get it. It's like graceness by osmosis. You will get it. Yeah, man. If you keep showing up, you will get it eventually. If you quit, you will get nothing. You will get nothing except you would just quit another thing. But if you just keep showing up through the misery, you know, or whatever it is you think is miserable, because every time I wanted to quit, it turns out that the thing that was making me want to quit really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, next week it meant, you know, it's like you forgot about it already. If you just, you know, if you feel like, you know, you think you're listening to us and you're like, man, these guys, you know, just came easy. They never wanted to quit. Fuck, man, I wanted to quit 75 times, you know. But I just kept showing up. You can keep showing up. And eventually, you will get it. Right. Show up for me. You know, I tell people like, just I, I, like if I'm teaching the class and you don't show up, I'm, I'm like, fuck, man, where are the people? Yeah. You know, show up, man, and help me out. I feel the same way, man. Fucking. And but on the other hand, too, is like, you know, sometimes there's 20 people in class, and sometimes there's four people in class, and you never know. Fucking. I mean, sometimes that four-person class is the best class I teach all week. You know, because you really connect with one or two people. You know. Um. I don't know. I just think uh, if you want to try jujitsu, come in and try it, man. For me, right? Because I need you there, right? Like if you're not there, what am I gonna do? Jujitsu by myself? You know, like I need, I need all you people to come and do this with me. You know, whatever the fear is, just check the fear at the door. Come in and try it. If you want to try CrossFit, go try CrossFit. You know, right. don't like these guys. Well, it's one of those things, too, is, like, if it... So, Jim, we go back to fucking mention Jim DeLuca over and over again in this fucking podcast, but... I mean, he's, of, he's like, my, my mentor. Yeah, you know? like, a lot of times... He's one of the few people that I'm, like, when I get in a fucking sticky situation, I'm like, wow, what the fuck would Jim do right now? <laughs> WWJD. Right. What would Jim do? What would Jim do? Um, but he says one of those things, like, if it matters to you, <laughs> if, yeah. it, if it matters to you, you'll make it happen. If it doesn't matter to you, you'll make an excuse. You know what I mean? So if you are fucking making excuses all the time, it probably doesn't fucking doesn't matter. matter to you, but but right. if it matters to you, you'll find a fucking way. Find yeah. find a fucking way to show up. Find a way to find a way in. Don't find, find a, a way. Find out. a way to do the yeah. Find a way to do the thing that you fucking want to do and you're passionate about. That and being you, said, fucking George is 100 percent all in on everything, <laughs> I in, am. including this including I am. this goddamn soap thing. Yeah, man. Buy some, you guys check it out. Tortuga soap. You should buy some. It's good for you. Change your life. George is the only person I know to fucking start a business with no fucking product. <laughs> with nothing. With, George, I mean, we were selling soap, man. We, <laughs> George, George was selling soap before there was any soap. Was like, it wasn't even me. I had a salesman selling soap for me. There was, there was, the, there was no soap, and George had fucking a million soap sales before there was any fucking soap. That's it was true, like, man. It, the name of this uh, soap company should not be fucking Tortuga soap. It should be Snake Oil Soap. It honestly, <laughs> or, or I want you to make me a bar of soap. Snake oil. Snake oil. I can do that. I can do that. That's true, man. So That's true. It's it's great. Here's the other thing, right? You never know what's going to happen in your life. So just let it happen or make it happen. But let these things happen because all of a sudden I'm selling soap years <laughs> later. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who the hell ever thought that was going to happen? Right. I don't know. It's happening. You, you fucking know? try some things and shit comes up and you run with it. Yeah. You know I mean? so George, it's true. George, how long have you been doing this now? 
three years, probably three years. I mean, it started as I don't even know what it started as, and then like I made I made some soap, and it was like I think I wanted to make candles at first, <laughs> and uh, but I made soap, and it was because we were grappling, and you know, and it's like the soap you could get special soap because you don't want to be dirty, and then it evolves into this other thing, and then I'm making soap for people, then I'm selling soap, then this crazy my crazy buddy Vin Diesel's Im- imposter. Um, he's like selling the soap that I haven't even made yet to guys in California. Like, but then a year later, man, I'm selling soap all over the country, Canada, you know, um, it's amazing. soap. that's good. soap. it'll make your CrossFit better. Right. <laughs> I swear. I know it. it's, it's scientifically proven. It'll make you lift heavier yeah. and fucking run faster. Yeah. Kills fucking Ebola. Even better looking. <laughs> makes you better looking. Makes you better looking. I think that's why my beard grows so long. Yep. It's also true. makes uh, beard oil that I yeah. use. Beard on, oil. On and my my wife is now taking this thing to another level. You know, she has taken it. So it, it now, if it was up to me, every bar would look the same. And, you know, it'd be like, she makes them look good. You can, If you need to buy stuff for your significant other, I got that too. <laughs> I got that too. I don't really know what that means. but I don't know either. <laughs> Tortugasoap.com. Yeah, Fucking do it. Buy some of that shit. Do it. All right, well, before we fucking fly off on another tangent. Right, right. I'm going to fucking end this thing. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Fucking come back anytime. All right, um, all right. Another thing that George has fucking dove 100% into is podcasting yeah. as well. Um, so he's got a, a real jujitsu-based <laughs> podcast. I mean, it, it, you know, <laughs> it's quite a show. It's awesome, man. The Great Northeast bjj podcast it's uh it's it's produced by a guy named prince paul <laughs> or the riddler one or the other i'm not sure but it's amazing i like it so um, much better when he's not in the fucking room <laughs> then things just happen naturally right, instead of him right. forcing it he's like the guy he's like the guy behind the monkeys you mm-hmm. know he's like orca- or menudo he's orchestrating you know <laughs> Um, yeah, that you should check out if you like anything I said, or even if you hate everything I said, you could always listen to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we, some fucking great guests on there. Great guests. We uh, travel around. We right. we interview people. People whoop me, and then we talk about it after. So it's legit, not like this where it's a fucking clusterfuck of thoughts and, and emo- oh no it's like that too and, and, and totally like that it's it's just a clusterfuck of jujitsu instead right. we just don't have music playing in the middle that only i can hear right so that being said check out tortugasoap.com check out the great northeast bjj podcast yeah, yeah. and uh listen next time when we have more fucking great guests another little yeah. guy another guy who needs a fucking high chair <laughs> he might be shorter <laughs> than me probably is All right, thanks for listening. Catch ya.